0: What's going on down there? Hey, TG, you want to do some multicam streaming? I can get you the hookup.
1: Um, depends on how many cams. I've done two before. I don't think I've gone to three.
0: Yeah, I'm up to three. Three is actually a power move, because you feel like you've conquered the computer the computer keeps trying to imply to you, you can't do three. You're like, shut up. I now have a close-up cam for a dice-rolling spot. So go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's not what this podcast is about, though. Hello, everyone. We're WTF and TFW. We're gonna be doing, uh, Listener Question X is the name of this podcast. I just did the X symbol with my forearms. Uh, because I pulled out ten listener questions, because we had, like, 19 of them, I think, built up. Uh... And I figured, hey, what's what's more evergreen than just doing old listener questions, where we can extrapolate fun conversation from them, as we tend to do. Uh, joining me today is, uh, hey TJ. Um, once again, can I interest you? To, do you want to go up to quadruple cameras? Want to see if we can bre- breach that?
1: Um, I would probably have to go into storage to even find another webcam on top of the three that I know of at the moment.
0: I also am curious if a normal base computer will actually be able to process that much without adding some kind of special input uh, from the things I learned about plugging three webcams into a computer. Um, The thing
1: is, the thing is, I've got so many things already plugged into a computer, I don't think I have USB ports for uh, any more than two cams.
0: That's the other thing that, oh boy, I had to try to deal with that was so frustrating. Uh, This stupid gamer tower, I hate it. Uh, it has these asymmetries to its casing and I have wanted to take a hacksaw to part of them at one point because they don't serve any purpose except to bump the desk whenever I try to slide the stupid thing out. Hey Aaron, uh, how would you like to hey. uh, get some multicam board game streaming going? I, I actually can't help you from here but I could definitely tell someone a paragraph of what they should do and they might understand it.
2: I mean, it's something that I've Kind of been thinking about for extra life maybe as a thing to do i don't know like that might be an interesting way to get people out in the way to to do things so uh, I yeah. I might look a little bit into it and then go, oh God, this looks like more effort than I ever want to put into it, and why do i need why do I need the camera under the table that's that seems like that's a different web service
0: well if you 're going to do any good streaming, you eventually need balls cam as the Lure to get uh, more donations coming in. Whether or not you even activate it, it's uh, it's part of the streaming schema. That,
2: that's that's the threat on this stream. Hey, if if I don't get another twenty dollars in donations in the five minutes, these camera priorities are changing.
0: Well, you just you event, eventually you switch to a mysterious looking dark camera, and you get everyone going like, "Is it finally time?" Is it balls cam? You're like, "No, no, this camera is just a close up on a black uh, on a black dice rolling area." You perverts. What's wrong with all of you? Uh, Yeah,
2: the dice rolling mat's black
0: felt. Why why would you think it's eh. something else? I just had a moment. Is that siren me? Okay, it is. Because I have a monitor on now for the first time in years again. And it's messing with my head because that means I'm not actually hearing a siren in real life. I'm hearing it through my headphones. And I was like, is that one of them? For once? That's weird. Uh, But it wasn't. Anyway, yeah, we got these uh, list of questions. We also got multicam streaming that I did the other day. Go look at my Victory Saber thing if you want to see that. Also, it's Victory Saber season, so I got mine first, it sounds like, but um, we're going to see how it goes for Aaron and TJ. We'll see if you all have funny stories of how you got yours as well, and then uh, then we can convene <laughs> do the Victory Saber talk. Um, I just got the shipping notice for mine today, actually.
2: Oh, well, that's nice.
0: Yeah. Uh, hey, maybe I, maybe they sent another one. They didn't. This happened with Unicron. But with Unicron, I had to wait a month before I got the shipping notice after I got it. So this is faster. They're getting better. Uh, anyway... These lister questions. Uh, our first one here. I'm just gonna blurb this one out for you all. This is from Picky Peeves, who says greetings again to the wonderful crew of WTFTFW. It is I, the Picky Peeves personified, the Peeves of the Picky personified, and this time with more questions. Number one related to the challenge posted about uh, before about letting paleontologists and adjacent persons handle dinosaur transforming robots. I've been pursuing a little personal project to figure out how to do different members of the G1 cast as different dinosaurs, with the one I'm most proud of being Cliff Jumper as a Carnotaurus, and. Uh, obviously Obviously, Google's going to be your friend looking up lots of these names. Common issue I've run into has also been trying to make them feel more diverse in conversion schemes compared to other beast formers. With that preamble out of the way, the question I turn to you three is if there are any uses of animal mass you've thought of as cool to see that haven't been implemented in a design that have or you've wanted to see uh, be, or that have and you've wanted to see be more common. Examples I've come up with have been the beast head accordioning into the neck to create beefy robot forearms. So I had to assume that's the beast head just squishing into the neck and then it splits. Uh, collapsing the animal's leg in a compact robot shin, like the kingdom cats. Uh, which can also be quite diverse, is what this clip jumper I've been dueling around with It comes much more rotund and more impressive in e-spike than those kingdom cats. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the Cheetor, the Cheetor kingdom uh, leg trick. Uh, or putting more definable features of an animal on the chest rather than a typical head. Uh, like using Ankylosaur tail clubs on the chest as, uh, a, in place of Warpath's chest turret. Um, also quite welcome. Any suggestions for dinosaurs or archetypes you'd find fitting for any Transformers? As always, I just want... I want I want Thagamizer to be a Transformer name because ever since I heard the name Thagamizer, I was like, that should be a Dinobot. And it's stupid that it's not a Dinobot. That's a perfect Dinobot name. It doesn't uh, begin with an S. It, 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 actually, actu- <laughs> actually... Actually... Actually, let me push my glasses up. In katakana romanization, th converts oh, into go. the s characters, so technically it would be Sagomiza if it was out in Japan, and that you know it kind of covers our bases here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I I uh, I think Kingdom actually did present a lot of very interesting new new ways for Beast Mass to go places. I even want to say the the Age of Extinction Deluxe Dinobots and Voyager one. Or two did as well, but um, I don't know. Aaron, have you got have you got any any uh, animal mass uh, things that you've either wanted to see more after you saw it once, or that you've just never seen, but you're like, why haven't you?
2: Um, if we're going like crazy, Corhada is always an interesting one, where he's oh, just yeah. the entire mm-hmm. like the majority of him is the the cobra hood, and then it's just. Is it both of his arm? One of his arms is like the tail. I can't remember. It's been yeah. a while since I've messed with Court. Well, it, when I put him into a bag as I was getting ready to move and I have no idea which of the 12,000 boxes that I have here he's in. To, he's definitely going to end up back on the display wall because he's very very unique as a beast. It's not like, hey, the, the back legs become the legs and the front legs become the arms and yeah. either the head goes down the back or on the chest that's some portion of Beast Wars, like the OG Beast Wars, was. I think his most of the, most of the maximals were that way. I, I think feel his like.
0: other arm is part of the snake mouth, if I recall correctly.
2: Um,
1: it's the part that goes inside the mouth because it's got the water squirter for the poison
2: gimmick.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Because it's uh, like also, the. Yeah. I just had to pull up some images where, like the the head. Of the snake becomes the standard chest like emblem thing, and the rest of the hood's kind of a cape, yeah, yeah, he's got the poncho look, but then all 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 the rest of his mass is just hidden up in there his his legs are like the side of it, and everything, yeah, yeah, so, like, yeah there, well, he there had was the a weird weapon mode because it was beast war's neo, and all of them did, so he kind of does a weird. like, headstand pivot thing and then shoots the little shooty thing out of a very... He's a gun.
0: ...an awkward spot. Well, he he was the start of what felt like, at the time, like 20 years ago, felt like the start of a transformation genealogy because it was him and then there was Night Viper who, like, took some of the Karada notions and then amped them up even farther. Night Viper, if, if anyone out there has never messed with Beast Machine's Night Viper, you got to. Uh, that's a very cool figure, and I remember thinking, like, man, Snake Transformers. There's uh-huh. like, we had yeah. we had Karada, and then Night Viper like escalated. Like we 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 figured out how to do Snake Transformers, and then they never did one ever again until they made one turn into a ramp by lying down. So, I... <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, because Night Viper, both of his legs were the snake body, and his like hip junction piece you pulled through. Yeah. Into like the front front back round part
0: of the of the hip. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. I mean, Battle for the Spark basics I recall generally being pretty wild. Uh I think they were basics back then. Because uh, it was him and, and Hammer Strike and uh, like the tank drone, they're just super mm-hmm. cool. Um, but yeah. Man,
2: Hammerstrike. Oh another, my god. Another uh-huh. friggin' blast from the past. I,
1: I'm so upset. That's the toy that made me hate clear plastic, because I came home one day and its arms had fallen down to its feet. And I, I was angry. That is such a nice figure.
0: Yeah, I, that's another one of the ones where it's also, I can't believe he only came out once ever, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, Night Viper as mm-hmm. well, I think. Because uh, neither of them were in the show. So there, there's. Beast, beast Machines is actually a good place to plumb for some interesting use of body mass, in part because a lot of the toys were just super weird, and that carried through to some of the transformation mm-hmm. schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm getting on a tangent. TJ, what about you? Are any, uh, any Beast Former uh, mass placements you'd like to see happen either again or maybe for the first time?
1: I'm trying to think if there's anything unique. I I know the one that I usually like, and we're getting it again for Rise of the Beast. I like it anytime wings end up becoming the legs. I like that on Energon yeah. Dive Bomb. I like it on the new Air Razor. Uh, it's a really great use of getting that bulk out of the way without just turning it into a wing backpack. I had a thing for a while where I was trying to come up with an entire cast. Like, uh, here's a set of Maximals and a set of Predacons. And they're all mythical creatures. And it was about six designs in that I realized, uh, well, not realized, but I remembered that uh, 90% of mythology is just adding wings to normal animals. And trying to figure yeah, out yeah. what to do with all these wings <laughs> and try to keep everyone unique
2: is, is daunting. So, I'm sorry. What'd you say about Judeo-Christianism? You just put wings on some. Oh, hold up. No, sorry. <laughs> that
0: was Aaron no, like, by the I... way. Aaron Axsmith on Twitter. If you want to go and into... yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: But no, no. I, 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 I feel the pain because I've, I've had a similar thought
0: experiment that uh, that had similar issues. W- wings in general are a big one for me to, to specifically to have the wings not become wings, basically, and. I'll caveat that by saying the way the Kingdom Air Razor does it, and by proxy, like, Kingdom Laser uh, uh, pterosaur who I've never laid ha- physical hands on in my entire life, uh, that one's really cool, because the wings change shape to a certain degree. So there, there's ways that it's interesting, but, like, like you know, the wings into legs is always a classic. Just anything that takes a body part on the animal and then does not use it as the same body part is is kind of my general statement. Mm. I just had an idea, for one... It could be kind of wild for like a Quintesson beast former because the Quintessons would be the ones with the super weird robot modes. Uh, something where it's like normal-looking Beast, where you expect, you know, okay, it's going to stand up, the head's going to become the chest, whatever. And then it like stands up in reverse and the tip of the tail becomes the head of the robot. And it's got a weird, like, tentacle-shaped head with a tiny face. Uh, I don't know what you do with the rest of the Beast. I just want that. I want the head to be in the tail for once. Because also tactically in battle, everyone's going to aim at the beast head, so if you blow the head off of this quadruped, and then it just turns into a robot where the head was in the tail the whole time, and it's like, ah, fool. (laughs) That was also clearly your only bullet, so I must have won. Because you you can't possibly just shoot him in the face afterwards. Um, But that that would be mine. Um, Anyway, there's one other question here from Picky Peeves. It says, I found myself in quite a comfortable position as an undergrad to live with family, which means I don't have to worry about spending money on rent or groceries, and can instead focus on spending for school and hobbies. However, I'm realizing I only have another two or three years before I have to head out for grad school and continue my pursuit of those sexy, sexy bones. Paleontology. Uh, of course, grad school would also mean transitioning to an entirely different living situation in a different area, which is for the best in many ways. Did you know Utah is not a great place to be a queer person? Uh, this is at least as of July 2022. I don't know how American stuff is flying around nowadays in the day-by-day. Anyway, as I probably need to prepare for that beforehand, instead of having to learn uh, when the situation is immediate, I've come asking how best you've... Oh, wait, I hope this wasn't like just now. Oh, no, two or three years. Okay, (laughs) I've come asking how best you've all uh, found to balance budgets with such an increasingly expensive hobby like toy collecting and the also increasingly expensive realities of adultery. Uh, I mean, adulting. That was written in the question. Thanks again for engaging answers to my previous questions. Look forward to hearing more from you all, uh, Peeves. I I would say... uh, I actually just put up a panel from 2019 uh, relating to healthy collecting uh, in which I touched on some of those points. So that's floating out there just in case we give answers and then you're still like, I haven't heard enough! Um, But also I will say that I'm good at giving advice and I'm terrible at following it. So don't look at me as an example so much as someone who can tell you to do better than me. Uh, But a big part of it is just trying trying to erase FOMO and trying to not... Uh, try to keep up with the time ghost of collecting. Don't try to get all the new stuff when it's new. Um, grab this, if something really, really is like, I need this one piece, then like, you can pursue it, but like try to figure out when you're just like autopilot collecting, and then try to nullify that notion, because tons of stuff still goes on sale, and then this is hard to do, but try to start training the idea that if you were waiting for sale and it never happened for a piece, that you also didn't feel you had to grab! Uh, then take that as, like, a hint and go, like, all right, that means I will just skip that for now and then maybe sometime in the future it will pop up again at a, at a convention or on a buy-sell trade thread or something and it'll it'll be a fr- a fun surprise for the future. That would be some of my advice. Uh, if you're coming off of, like, you know, hardcore keeping up with it type collecting. Um, Aaron or TJ, I don't know if either of you have any, any specific stuff to throw in here as well.
2: Yeah. I mean general budgeting from somebody that currently owns two houses at least for another week until the <laughs> old one sells. Um really what I'd say is what's got to come first, second and third are the essentials, you know, you know your standard budgeting, you know, if you're looking at doing, you know, grad school work, you know, figure out, you know, what are your baseline expenses that are going to be there no matter what? Take that plus 10% lock those numbers away and then look at like everything else that you have and then okay maybe that's your eating nicer or fun budget and you know not a bad idea to like hey if you don't use all that budget that doesn't mean it rolls over you take that excess and you put that aside because rainy days are going to happen or maybe you want to save up to to do something and it's really, it's about having the, the, the fortitude to stick to it. Um, and I, I think that's how you get through, through most of, of adultery or adulting, um, is just, you know, know your, you know, know your plan, stick to your plan. And, you know, me, the way I've always done my budgeting is basically like add 10%. You know, I pay about 10% more on my mortgage than the minimum, Why? Because in case I need to find some emergency money, you know, something comes up, well, I can back off of those other things a little bit to pay the minimums in order to have money that didn't exist for my budget to show up. And use just use a financial software, use something like Quicken or QuickBooks or something like that and keep track of all of your bills in there and you can really build up a history of payments to see to project out to the future. And use that. And and that's the real like financial budgeting side of things that can give you an insight into like, oh my god, I spend how much on toy robots? Ugh, that's gross. Or okay, I really don't spend as much on
0: my luxury hobby stuff as i thought i did
2: okay cool good on that That will never
0: happen though i should just throw it out there. that that will actually that will never happen
2: <laughs> no i no mean, one ever
0: gets that pleasant surprise <laughs> right
2: no i mean i mean but you, you never know because yeah, if, yeah. if somebody is coming i know a few people that are get very paycheck rich and then have odd ideas about how much they spend on things and then have given them some of this advice and then they actually go, whoa, that sounds real dumb. Well, I, I know that I can pay off my bill. I'm like, just just put it all in an accounting software. And then they're like, wow, I really spend a lot on this thing I didn't spend a lot on and don't spend as much on this other thing that I thought I spent more on because mm. they weren't tracking it at all. And not to pick on picky peeves here, but you know what what they're saying is if they've always always lived at home and not had some of those expenses and have been able to be a bit more free with their other things that they spend their income on than it can be you know if you've never tracked it you never know so maybe even oh, yeah, now, yeah. before going to grad school start tracking everything and see like how gross you're being about buying toy robots or, or whatever and then at the same time you can also track the other way if you're like eh I don't like this anymore and sell it you can see how all of it works and then come up with a a, a better way to get the heck out of Utah Utah. Also, uh,
0: there's, there's a lot of things, just just a quick aside on adultery, sorry, adulting, because you, you mentioned this, uh, a lot of things, uh, when you're on your own, um, you'll feel like, how did I no- never know about this? It's actually very easy to not know about things uh, until, oh, yeah. until oh, shockingly sure. late in life, and uh, I just want to put it out there, because a lot of the time, uh, speaking from experience, it's really easy to turn that into a self-loathing generator, but... Then it turns out 99% of people feel the exact same way about any given thing yeah. in the same parallel. Uh, and here, I'll, I'll throw yeah. it out there for there, y'all. There's... Uh, I've never defrosted a fridge, and then my fridge just sort of stopped working this year very well, and I was trying to figure out in Google, I'm like, so what's going on with it? And then eventually it's like, oh yeah, defrost it. And I'm like, cool, so is that a thing where I call in a person? Or like, how does that work? Uh, it turns out it was a lot easier, um, at least in the case of my fridge. But... I I had always lived with someone else's fridge until like 8 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it turns out like 8 9 years is how long it takes a fridge to need to and, be defrosted.
2: <laughs> and some fridges have an auto defroster and you never have to worry about it. Some don't.
0: That too. Yeah. Uh the other
2: But no, okay. my 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 joke on those lines is like I had my insurance stuff with my accident and all of that. And then I started like a couple of the podcasts that I listen to have like in the middle of it, there's an ad break. And one of those ad breaks was an insurance company. And it's this, it's these two people that are having an obviously fake discussion about like, Oh yeah, when we started dating, Oh, well we were 14. Oh yeah, we were young, <laughs> and we didn't know anything about insurance. Like what's a deductible. <laughs> and it's like, okay, no, first off, like you two are totally fake in this thing. And if you really talk like that to each other, you need help. Secondly, like, yeah, nobody knows about insurance stuff until they have to deal with insurance. Like, there's nobody that sits there and like, I'm going to go read up on all of this insurance. I'm going to go read up on all this insurance accounting minutiae because I wasn't doing anything this weekend. Otherwise, you know, I could be stabbing my own (laughs) eyeball out with a fork or read about subrogation and how long you have to wait before it becomes litigious. You know, I, I, I'd rather go the fork route, but I've had to learn it anyway. Yeah, And, yeah, the stuff, that, the stuff that you're not otherwise taught, you're not taught. You know, hey, feel free to ask your favorite Transformers podcast about budgeting. We'll, we'll help you with what we know and BS the rest that we don't.
0: The the one other thing I wanted to just quickly throw in is you started off by saying you have to figure out your three essentials, and genuinely for half a second I was like, is he about to say robot mode, alt mode, and mint on card? Because I'm going to throw a brick at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, TJ, how about <laughs> on your end? Have you have you got any, any advice for kind of like. Um, I guess just like, like. Especially because toy collecting has universally grown more expensive uh, in exponentially, I would say, on an up curve in the last, let's say, five years. Have you got, had any any things about dealing with that? You know, I don't think
1: there's really anything I can add that hasn't been said before. It really does just come down to be a lot more selective about what you're getting. Don't buy it because you like it. Buy it because you love it. Um, And, like, my my typical advice, and I think I've given the advice here on the podcast before, but I think it's always worth repeating. Just be comfortable with the idea of letting stuff go and just selling it off at some point and especially like if you are a transformer collector and there's always like a shinier better more accurate version on the way you know like there's always like this you know there's a it's pretty easy to get into just like a cycle of things you collect and own and yeah it's getting more expensive but as someone in the business the aftermarket prices can go up a lot faster these days which is surprising to me. So there is yeah. a way to balance <laughs> it out. There is a way there is a, there is a way mm. to balance it out to where like if you're comfortable owning things for a little while and then moving on to the next thing that comes around. You're not going to see nearly as much of an impact in your budget because it's kind of fueling itself at that point.
0: And there are these weird cuz I noticed the pattern here and there there aren't these weird windows of like, like rental period time where it actually makes a lot of sense if you if you can to just like move stuff that you got within the same twelve months if you feel like you're done with it. Where when you hit when you hit the end of one of those rhythms of releases and everyone's waiting for the newest of new things, there's like this built up tension of like, but what about all the stuff I couldn't find before? And then like you know, exa- like these are sort of d- deranged examples because of. Uh, the nature of how hard they were to get in some countries, but like uh Earthrise, Ironhide, and Prowl, that two pack, like it—it it was hard to find. It kind of started crawling naturally in price a bit because a lot of people just couldn't get a hold of it. But then there was like this boiling point where like the Ironhide was getting really expensive, and then when—and <laughs> this was like—I feel I feel like this was still before Studio Series eighty-six Ironhide got revealed, even but there was just this like little boiling point of like there's nothing new and I still missed on ironhide and so it's like this 8 to 9 the 8 to 9 month um period like that that delay after something comes out it's almost like worth looking at like are people like going nuts trying to get this thing that maybe I'm already done with
1: mhm yeah uh. so yeah he, like here's how it works here's how it works so brand new toy comes out that's generally when it's the most valuable is like the 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 Heartbeat, in which it just came out, and only a couple people can find it. The longer it's out, easier it is find, lower the value gets until it's off of shelves. After it gets, after you can't find it anymore, it goes back up, and it's it generally like it'll stay there until the replacement is on the way. You know, I think. Uh, I think 86 Ironhide did a lot of damage to those Deluxe Ironhides from Earthrise.
0: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So there's your window.
0: It's
1: so, so like that's yeah. the like that's the window you got to catch. You know, once the the once the FOMO kicks in and people are willing to pay up for what they missed out on and before the replacement comes out.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It, I would even say it's not even the replacement so much as like the like the reset button on the cycle, like a, a wave one of a new generations or something. Also, I think hit some of that stuff because the period right before it, when people just are like, like there are going to be folks who are like, I have literally nothing to purchase I can find easily. All I can think about are the things I missed, and that that's taking advantage of a market situation to a degree. But it, it's also it was never this common before, and I think that the. 2020 to 2021, 22 like, range of hellscape, also damaging the distribution of stuff, has created this, like, really weird scenario where, yeah, you can, if you just, if you, if you sort of avoid circles of people you know and just go into the greater sea of people who are just like, I want to get a thing, you, you, you have those offload mm-hmm. points. Um,
2: I only just today saw
0: Wheelie. Wait. I still haven't seen that one. Yeah, sorry. I forgot which wheelie you're talking about. Like
2: the studio series wheelie? Yeah. yeah, but I've seen other people be like, oh yeah, he's been on the shelf for like nine months and it was just in like the holiday stocking stuffer yeah. bin in the middle of Walmart. And that's like, okay, that's the first time I've seen that or or the ratchet that was in that wave as well. It's like, as that, that's what it is, I guess now, is this random distro. They Everything else at that Walmart was all wave one of like, kingdom and it's like yeah I Jesus. never yeah I
1: never yeah. saw the exosuit spike ever
0: and that's yeah, the only I one I saw seen that. I, yeah, I, I, see, I saw a ton of him but not in yeah. Toronto on west coast Canada I saw a ton of him specifically yeah and I think again it becoming a tangent but like
2: I think that's part part of why, why Hasbro is getting away from their wave releases and dates because I mean, yeah I,
1: it wasn't like I was going to I was going to throw in I w- w- it was sometime like next year we were expecting Earthspark Spark Deluxes. Mine are gonna be here next week.
0: Yeah, d- distro logistics, um, as I predicted somewhat, and as I further predicted during Suez Canal Number One and etc. dis distro logistics have been completely uh, lots of cuss words you could fill in there that are verbs, basically. Like it's it's been completely demolished, and that's also why. Cycling back a bit, I think it's really good to start as collectors in general. We gotta train ourselves to to be okay missing the ones we really wanted, because uh, you can't mm-hmm. you a you can't rely on them coming out, and then b if you set pre-orders down that you'd planned your next six months around of your fun money, that might get screwed as well when suddenly half of them come out a week after like you put the pre-orders in or something. Like, it's, it's all, like, rolling in both directions. It's so unpredictable. I just treat pre-orders and toys as, like, lottery things now, where I'm like, did this come out? Also? Okay, sure. I've, <laughs> this one coming out means I have to now not... Uh, I have to cancel a bunch of things, because <laughs> I wasn't expecting these two Voyagers to show up all of a sudden. Uh, so Because I, I was thinking three Deluxes were also coming out this month, so I want to shift that around. Um, it's, it's, it's very kooky. It's very kooky. That's that's also why end of this tangent, I swear. Someone was saying that like the big bummer about Haslab is like having to like pay up front for something that's so far away, and I'm like, the thing is, that's now one of the most like rigid calendar date expenditures of hobby money for Transformers you can do now is a Haslab date because you know when they will charge for it. <laughs> uh mm-hmm. it will be on that day. Now, when are you gonna get the thing? I don't know. But The one thing that won't take you by surprise is the charging day. Uh, Anyway, I hope hope that answered your questions, uh, Picky Peeves. (laughs) Uh, We got uh, another question here uh, next up from TFs on Vacation, who says, Hey, Aaron and the TFW at Helicopter Crew, looking at Legacy and its... Yeah, I uh, like this guy. Yeah. Look at Legacy and its G1-ified versions of Prime characters and some sticker upgrade sheets for Bulkhead. It got me thinking. Are there any movie characters you'd like to see get the G1 treatment in Legacy and its sequels and sublines? Personally, I'd love to see Movie 4 or 5 Crosshairs make his way onto the G1 shelf. Thank you, as always, for the entertainment and answering my thousands of questions. Kaburr. Uh, literally every movie character who was movie original, I would love to see actually get that smoothening treatment, because movie characters used to kind of get that in like the coloring books and maybe the initial waves of the early like I guess the 07 movie line and a little bit of Dark of the Moon but uh, a lot of movie designs I would even it's mostly just the faces Uh, I would just love to see them get smoothed out a little bit and look a little bit more like an animation Mm -hmm. character than a complex prop uh so that's really my my answer is like I'll tell, take any of them really crosshairs yes all yeah, yeah. crosshairs is a great example well you, like,
2: even I'm I'm trying to think like Jolt yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of like the 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 characters that had impact that don't have G one versions like a, a a Blackbird Jetfire like an old old crotchety robot version of Jetfire potentially mm-hmm. the- because. I think that e- even him as like hunched over dude with a cane, like what have we gotten anything kind of close to that in like a G one style? Really? Like like C- cup was old, but not like decrepit old. He was just like shut up, grandpa old.
1: <laughs> I mean the thing the thing is um, like the
2: thing is like
1: with a transformer, like you, you weld a few things back together and they're standing upright again. You know, like it's it's a little bit odd in the movie where like we we'll walk with a cane when our spine is shot you know it's a little different when you can just like swap out a fresh spine
2: mhm
0: yeah well uh, the, the movies had like des- designs like jetfire that were like their silhouette is so cartoon character that uh, the, the doctor another yeah. one uh the dreads um there there's plenty there's plenty enough to fill out like two waves of just that uh, alone and we certainly like I'm just I'm just looking at a picture of him because he just came out the studio series, uh, movie five hot rod, is just a, a neat lanky car boy who's French and has a time gun, and uh, there's there's stuff in that that could work. Um, mm-hmm. Stratosphere because you know, that name is bouncing around again, uh, you know. The, oh man, there's there's plenty. Like I don't, I I don't have a specific answer because I can just go on and on, but I mean. Uh, Sorry, was that was someone was someone jumping in?
1: I have I have two thoughts, and one yeah. is Bone Crusher, but that's just because I want more Bone Crusher all the time. True. Uh, the one I think would be interesting would have been the Wreckers. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. They have some yeah, because they have some atypical designs to their robot modes, considering they turn into cars. And G One never had like stock cars, like not like proper NASCAR
0: vehicles. And one of them is a car that turns into, like, a dumpy silhouette in Leadfoot. And that's kind of unique, mm-hmm. just in general. Uh, not having a car turn into, like, you know, a general handsome hero biped. Um, Yeah, the, I mean, the Wreckers and the Dreads were basically two triplet teams uh, from the same movie that, that had... Like, the Dreads had their own thing going on with between the Predator look and one of them being a quadruped. Uh also, consider mm-hmm. how many of these characters have fan art that I have seen that already inherently smooth out their designs to be a bit more animate and, and um, empathetic uh, to look at. Uh, yeah, there's, there's so many. The, the reason, in fact, why I'm so into this compared to how I initially reacted to some of the Prime ones in Legacy is because, like, the Prime characters were coming from a place of animation design. Whereas a lot of these movie characters come from a very mixed bag origin of... Animated kind of toy design crossed with Hollywood live action special effect prop that puts them in this weird mid zone, uh, and so they they could only stand to benefit from a, a legacy kind of treatment. Um, and we might we might still see. I mean, there, there are lots of kooky names getting found in the bowels of Walmart's computer system still. Uh, that's where all those leaks still come from, right? It's Walmart basically. I've... Uh some of them have been, yeah. Yeah. So I, I I would not be surprised. I think the only reason why movie characters are not really immediately popping up in legacy is just because it it crosses um it crosses the streams so much with studio series. Uh but otherwise I think there, there would actually be <laughs> I mean, even more.
1: To to be fair, studio series went G1 for how long?
0: True. True. <laughs> And that already crossed a wire, hardcore. I mean, uh, the, the the product the product code identifiers for some of those toys are so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I I think general answer to this question is just like yes, please, all of them. <laughs> we named a bunch. Yeah. Uh, so move, moving on to the next one here, we got one from VictoryBot93 saying, thanks for answering my question last time, really appreciated the fun and well thought answers you gave, but I have another one Looking back at Transformers history, I realized it has such a wide array of media, everything from video games, comic tie-ins, Netflix series films etc. So my question is this, if you worked at Hasbro and it was your turn to tell your own original Transformers story, what media form would you want it to be? One that appeals most to you? One we haven't seen in a while? One you think Transformers excels in most? How would you tell your Transformers story? Thanks again for all the fun times you provide over the years. We greatly appreciate Army of Bees for their work and contribution to the show. Thank you very much. We hope nothing but the very best for all you guys, especially in the challenging and trying times you face. Never forget, we love you all! Click. So, for each of us, I guess, what's, what's our chosen like, if we're, if if each of us is a showrunner, what's the media type that you go like I want it to be this? There are options here and now, and, and the thing that's weird is a lot of these options are now like, we have examples for like all of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, um,
2: I mean we we just talked a lot about Earth Spark, and I don't think any of us
0: necessarily had problems with Earth Spark. No, I mean TV is the classic. That is the uh, yeah. A, it's actually not the original, but it's it's yeah. basically the original. The original is the comic book. But yeah,
2: I mean ep- episodic TV, when done well, has like a, a very good base and a way to grow. That like you know comics can be a little bit more long form, but they also sometimes get a little bit heady and it's really hard to sell things on comics. Um, cause you have to have somebody go do comics, you know, the, the Marvel stuff has gotten a big kick lately because of the whole cinematic universe thing that then feeds back into comics. It lets it feed into everything else. And, uh, you know, the, Marvel Snap becoming one of the games of the year or whatever at the Video Game Awards. Um, but I think that for Transformers, like, just regular-ass cartoons. I, I think that Netflix series... Maybe may releasing on Netflix is the way to do it, but not in the way that the Netflix series were done. Yeah, that's
0: a very more specific gradient that I think a lot... Because that that platform yeah. should work, so that that's one I, I lay yeah. more on the on the hands of the showrunners and, and et cetera, the the upper level voices involved. Yeah, um,
2: yeah, not the voice voices, but the like producer
0: voices, uh, the ones um, who directed them all to say things yeah. in a very dull way. Yeah, well, because
2: it's like you look at stuff like you know the the Netflix Marvel stuff that came out. All of that was was. Banging and did a great job of wrapping itself all together and and working together. And then it became you know contract issues, and Disney was going to do their own Disney Plus thing. And then some of the stories that I've seen that are supposedly from people on the inside, isn't it was just a bunch of people pouting at each other, and that's why it's taken this long for Matt Murdoch to show up again in in the MCU and kingpin to show up again in the mcu because finally the pouty bits of the contract got their way through so i I think i I think that like releasing a series in uh you know the way that mcu is doing the disney plus series is i think that's a good format so long as the people that are doing it remember what the format is i think that's the the online platform
0: basically like that—that's kind of the catch-all because yeah, I, I was just gonna say the, the yeah. Netflix that made those Marvel shows does not exist anymore. Like that model doesn't yeah. doesn't oh, exist. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah. But but it, it it's things like like the biggest frustrations that get me that
2: I've seen with uh, Star Trek because I'm a, also a Trekkie is you know Paramount Plus is is the primary source now for releasing Star Trek shows, which isn't necessarily a bad thing but there are frequently moments in those shows where it's clear that they're following the three commercial breaks in an hour format and something will build up and then you cut to black and then come back. And then they explain what happened just before that cut to black. And you're like,
1: ah, that's the second mm-hmm.
2: commercial break. Yeah, uh... That's right where that goes so that people can go get a drink from the kitchen real quick and, and, Come back and watch the last last commercial before they come back in. And since I've now seen something else and done something else, I've completely forgotten what happened six minutes ago. So I have to be told again why the crew is in peril. I can, I can give uh, okay. you some uh,
0: inside baseball on on actually why they do that. Now I'm not saying it's good why they do it. But I'll, t- I'll tell oh, yeah, you why because it, they because it, it
2: gets aired other places as well yeah, for syndication. Well, the, and that that those I, I know why it's those, there. those dips
0: to black. This, this is also just in case some listeners have ever wondered those dips to black are a mathematical thing that causes an automated commercial break to happen in broadcast television. Uh, that that's also why this the dip to black always seems like it's the same in every show ever is because mm-hmm. there's not a live person uh, pushing the go to commercial button that sets off the machine that spools in the commercials and broadcast TV. Now, the sad part about this is the idea that something being made in 2022 is still for streaming service is still accommodating in its edit broadcast television, which is inexplicably still alive in its current form.
2: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's, that's what I'm saying is so long as I think it's built to the medium, it can be a whole lot better. I, I, I I go back and forth on if I like the old Netflix, we dump everything out like, hey, it's not like episode one is out today. It's like, hey, the whole friggin' season's out today. Enjoy. And then you just do like a, okay, well, this weekend we are gluing our rear ends to the couch and we're watching the series uh, so that spoilers don't destroy
0: our lives. It's all Um, about how the company does its marketing within seven days of the release of whichever model they do. Because I've seen it mm -hmm. make me mad in both senses. Because some of the Disney Plus stuff where they drop an episode a week, they then drop a spoiler Funko Pop advertisement across all of social media within 48 hours of the episode airing. And it's it's like... It's like, this is almost worse than dropping an a la carte full season, because now you're just telling me, well, if I didn't make the time to watch the one episode at 3 a.m. when it went live, as opposed to uh, just Mm -hmm. having seven days to watch a full... Both of them suck. The the best versions of this are the ones where they just leave a reasonable window of time either way. (laughs) But yeah, the the Disney Plus Funko Pop advertisement spoilers... Really, also sullied me on just like wanting to keep up with a lot of that stuff because I was like, I'm gonna find out what happens when a toy advertisement crosses my feed eventually. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, Aaron, so Aaron, you're, you're you're basically fully down the most with with good old fashioned episodic, uh, adjusted for platform, adjusted for modern times. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. TJ, yeah, what is your chosen um media form if you if it's if it's all your druthers and your story?
1: Mm-hmm it's it's a hard choice, because I do love i i mean I do love just like your old school animation it seems to be where Transformers has always excelled the most yeah but i'm I've always been up to minds because I've always felt like i've i have i have always felt like Transformers is strangely undertapped in the video game section in sector.
0: Yeah, it's still we just well, had a game announced. I, I would say we still are under wraps. <laughs> I was mean to that trailer on a stream,
2: <laughs> but for as big. As... Well, it wasn't really a good trailer to tell you what
0: the no, game. No, nope. no, it was a very very
1: cryptic one minute trailer with
0: a see, a I'll logo just, to tell you. I'll just throw you. the sentence out here. That trailer was vague enough to make me think you don't even play as a transformer for ninety percent of the game. So they they super yeah. not succeeded.
2: Somebody. <laughs> Somebody did go through and translate a bunch of the Cybertronian that yeah. was on the screen. And, yeah. and it's all just a bunch of garbledygook, really. The only it,
1: thing it, we yeah. got was Marissa Fairborn.
2: Yeah. The like, grats, I get that. And the enemies, the swarm, I think. The. It was, uh, no, the, the Legion. The legion. Swarm?
0: Yeah, leg- the legion, legion, legion has finally made the jump from kiss play. Thank goodness. That's the one piece of good news. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, TJ. So are are you saying that you you think you might want to go for like? Uh, I'm assuming a narrative kind of video game as opposed to an online looter shooter. Perhaps?
1: Well, the, the the trick the <laughs> trick to making Transformer video game is what do you do with the Decepticons? Like you you have to you basically mm. have to write two stories at once, which you know a lot of a lot of game companies these days don't even like to write one. Mm.
2: Um. Wait, I we we have to write pew pew and blam blam. Jesus,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, perhaps. What if we just sold? Perhaps skins? from the perspective of what the if blam just Blam. skins? It's one.
2: It, it's it's one story, and you just decide if you have red skins or purple skins, and we just sell that as an option.
1: I mean, that's literally the current Pokemon game. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't even know. What, also, yeah, I don't even know what Pokemon is. What? <laughs>
1: But no, like I, I mean, I mean, Aaron is not incorrect. Like I feel like, you know, I feel like animation's always been the best place for Transformers to go. Uh, formatting and how you want to do it—that's a—that's a different uh, ball game altogether. It's just I feel like, I feel like we could do something else. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I don't know, like I, I can, I can agree. I can agree animation's best. I would still really like to... I, I would still like to try, like, a really strong narrative Transformer game, even if I had to do something weird with it, just because it hasn't been tried before.
2: I mean, Fall and War were pretty good towards that, weren't okay, they? Okay, true, yeah. The The one thing I'd say about Fall and War I mean, is... They... It, it could be... the The biggest thing is with that is you've got to have a guy like... I mean... It felt like the few times we got to meet Matt Teager that he was really a Transformers fan that lucked into being given the reins at a decently-sized studio to say, hey, what do you want to do? And he went, Transformers. Can I do Transformers? And just the stars aligned for him. You know? I, I think anything that comes from Hasbro Studios' gaming division is going to be very... No, convert and roll out.
0: Yeah, the 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 thing with with Fallen War much heart. is they were they were super solid, but also they did something that can only ever be done once, which is do a, a a pretty high quality video game retelling of basically the super most rote pre G one story you could. So there there's still video game territory I think to tread with Transformers now that the one base story has been done in video games to a, a solid degree. Mm-hmm. I was thinking for a Transformers video game, like there's, because video games offer the interactivity of the experience. So this is getting really like high concept perhaps, but like you could tell a story about the notion of, of, you know, Transformers and what they are, whereby the, the player, the, the experiencer of the story has a hand in being a Transformer in a way that you wouldn't get out of a cartoon or a comic or et cetera. And I think there could be some really cool notions in that, uh, like, this is a very high concept, but there's ways to bring that down, I think, that could be cool. Like, even some kind of uh, some kind of VR motion control thing where you have to, and this is a really base idea, this would need some something to, to a whole lot to add meat to it, but, like, transformation is not just a button-command thing, but it's something that you are doing as a player. And it's not something silly, like, oh, I'm going to lean forward and put my arms ahead of me like a car. But, like, it's just, you part of transformation is something you physically have to learn, uh... As the you know, as the player of this experience, like there there could be neat ideas in there. Um, VR is I'm not sure how like what that space is anymore right now, but uh, there, there's room for that stuff. My my own one was I I'd like I would I would tour it because I'd be like I would like to do animation. However, you are going to use powerhouse animation studio, and I will get to write the story. It will be twelve episodes with this voice cast, and there will be this much money spent on the. And if they said no. Uh, we're gonna do it cheaper. I'd be like, then we're not doing an animation, uh, and I'd want to pivot. I just want to pivot somewhere where I'd get the most freedom and have just enough budget to do what I want to do. And I'm thinking, given what exists right now, perhaps the pivot is to, is to a TTRPG or even like a like an iteration of a TCG. Um, there has been storytelling in TCGs in the past. There are ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those could actually be really cool ground to also have the. Player experience of being a transformer as part of the the story experience that that, that could exist in analog stuff like that too, uh, and I think that could be a really cool place to play around uh, where you also feasibly could get left alone to do what you want to do uh, to a reasonable amount. Um, like that the Transformers TTRPG that Renegade put out, I have not kept up with it that much because I don't know who like who or how or where to play it that well because I'm not good at that stuff. I only really do TTRPGs right now when a friend of mine who streams them asks me to take part because he's a good dm he can accommodate me uh but there's some really fascinating ideas i've heard even in some of the actual play bits and pieces that went up on youtube for that of just like people coming up with their idea of what a transformer is who isn't one of the evergreen casts that are already in the book um there's a lot of room in there i think too that without treading into the kind of uglier flatter gamification of like an online shooter where it's like you have a custom transformer they're made from one of these 19 canned parts and have this upgrade path you know and the narrative you play in is shoot mm-hmm. get things i i really hope that i'm wrong in all the ways i'm being mean by the way about the whatever reactivate is that the name yeah, of it? I've,
2: <laughs> Yeah i Yeah i i've i've got the the rule book for it and it's it's definitely a thicker thick read that I feel like I need to watch somebody's play of it with the book and a bunch of different colored post-it flags. Because mm-hmm. I see that there's an interesting system in there. And it's just like, I'd, I need that, that click moment where I get it versus, like, I'm seeing the disjointed parts, but not the whole machine.
0: Yeah. And in my case, like, I'm very narrative oriented, so my my crutch for TTRPGs is I need someone who is running the thing who is two things: a they know the system quite well because I'm not very good at learning those systems till I'm actually using them, and then b they are also just narrative open minded enough versus mechanical to accommodate the ideas that I find the most exciting without it getting like you know, super kooky. It's just like, I, I want to be able to say like, I want to, you know, I want my character to try doing this thing. Uh, is there a reasonable way to do a role for that? And if it's, a, if it's a no, I'm like, okay, okay, then I'll come up with a different idea. But I need to have that confidence of like, I didn't have to learn the entirety of the rules and then also start thinking narratively. I want to be a narrative input person for the, for the DM who ostensibly has to learn the rules the most and then try to come up with narrative to lead the players through, like I have whole thoughts about that that process. But uh, I am hoping that that Transformers RPG ends up being fertile ground for that stuff as years uh, continue to come because it only just came out. Um. Anyway, those are those are some platforms <laughs> for storytelling. That I think would all be pretty cool. I think that episodic TV thing has some legs on it, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hope that, hope that answers your question. Uh, Victory VictoryBot93. We got one here from Inhuman Helm. Uh, Inhuman Elm, not the helm. The helm is the helm of the host. It's a magic card I found out I have two copies of. Uh, hey, podcast crew. Well, it
2: just keeps making copies of things, so that's thematic.
0: I know. I thought I'd have eight by now, though. It's been like two years or whatever, three years yeah. since I got it.
2: Uh, how, how many upkeeps have you gone through,
0: though? I know I've said the word upkeep, like personal upkeep. Oh boy, too many to count. I... While having it equipped, though. You know what? I think they're all they all got trapped on the stack after I got hit with depression clutter instant. Yeah. <laughs> yep, there you go. Uh, anyway, in- Inhuman Elm says, "Hey, podcast crew, glad to see a resurgence in episode releases. That's some good future sight. Uh, Each episode has felt like a calming reprieve from the insanity that is the 2020s. We're trying. We're doing our best." Uh, two prong question for you what kinds of rules or general guidelines have you developed in order to decide whether or not to buy a toy and have there uh, been any other toys where other aspects outweigh those rules two examples from the new Velocitron figures I decided to cut down on repaints in a way as a way of limiting spending so despite collecting each version of the siege sideswipe mold I hesitated on clampdown and now it's sold out and I'm okay with that on the flip side leader class scourge looks like such a beautiful redeco into nemesis prime uh I already have laser prime and love it. And as TJ pointed out on YouTube, it is not a Rid scourge paint job, uh, for reference for those who still don't know. It's like this weird in between mush thing. Uh, but those colors just pop and remind, remind me of getting back into transformers collecting in 2016. So this, this bounces a little bit off of, uh, one of our initial questions. So, um, yeah, like rules and guidelines for deciding whether or not to pick up a toy and then have there been, uh, exceptions to your own personal rules, I guess. Um, DJ, you, you came up in here, you, you had, uh, you had pointed out the strange state of Velocitron Scourge, <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, the way facing. I phrase,
1: the, yeah, the way I phrase Scourge is that, does it look good? Yes. Does it look right? No. Uh, that does play into some of my buying decisions these days, uh, like, Road Hauler, I think, is amusing to come up with, uh if it didn't have the screaming face, I'd probably go for it a little bit more than I do now. Uh, but, it's one of those, like, like, uh, with, uh, like what, uh, Elm was saying, I try very hard to, to not go after, like, literally everything I can these days anymore. A lot of repaints get left behind. Uh, if I feel like it's going to be something that'll be done better later, that gets left behind. um, I mean, it's just, I don't know this, I have like a specific set of rules outside of what is in my fun money budget for the month. Like, you know, and like, you know, and outside of that, like literally like these days, the only thing that breaks those rules is, is it on like a ridiculous clearance? Mm -hmm. Because I will buy stupid things if it's on ridiculous clearance.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. core class figures I've skipped. If I ever saw them for actual six Canadian dollars, I would just buy them on principle, that they mm-hmm. were six Canadian dollars. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I've got actually, a box I...
1: full of stuff that's just, like, oh, it was on deep discount for, like, you know, eight dollars for Kingdom So and I think to myself, well, I'll put them in the toy shop if I don't find a use for them or sell them myself. Whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I have a yeah. litter of Tygatrons. <laughs> uh,
0: I this is this is a slight tangent. There was a case where that has that was happening with Kingdom Rhinoxes, where people were finding them for like ninety nine cents. And I found out about it after people had gotten rid of all the ones they got for ninety nine cents. And I was like, you know, I actually never got Kingdom Rhinox. I would have liked to have him for a dollar. Damn it. <laughs> So I will put the word out. There. If anyone just hates their Kingdom Rhinox and also doesn't want to go through the work of selling it, and you just want to offload it to someone for for a Canadian dollar, you just let me know. <laughs> uh, I actually have a, this remind. I have a rule right now, kind of, for figures that I, I kind of want, um, and uh, this is it's kind of my game. My GameStop, my EB GameStop rule, which is that that's weirdly the easiest place that I've been able to pre-order things if I want to, and so now I'm starting to go like, okay, so. I look at the figures for a new Legacy Wave, and I'm like, which ones do everyone does, does everyone on the planet seem to hate? Because I won't pre-order those, because I'm pretty sure I can just buy them a la carte whenever I just want to spend $36 bucks, uh, that I just happen to have. And sometimes it's nice to be able to go, like, I just want a Transformer. Oh, there's a bunch that I don't have, and I kind of like this one. Uh, so I try to predict which ones are going to just chill out for a while. The, the little bummer here is that everyone was so dogging on Dead End and Breakdown so much... That I kinda of went like, you know, I don't need to pre-order Dead End. Everyone hates him. I'll be able to get him. No. Because it turns out, even though everyone mm-hmm. hates him, he he turns into part of an arm, so everyone wants him. That's a little lesson I learned. Um Combiners overrule uh internet uh trash talking. But that's been a thing I try to I try to think about is like, which ones are just absolute hits uh before they even come out in enough circles that like I should probably try to like secure a spot in the line versus like um oh, what are two examples crankcase and uh and point blank um still in stock on gamestop canada i i kind of would like them i saw point blank in person uh at a gamestop the other week and i was like he's all right but like i i i, I think i can wait though no one wants him everyone seems to hate him so i <laughs> i can hold off a little bit uh that almost ha- i that that was kind of like me and in kingdom tracks except I never actually bought tracks partly because road rage existed and I was like if I'm gonna have one, I'd rather have road rage uh Aaron, how about you have have you got any any personal rules and also any exceptions to those rules
2: um I've tried to work a lot harder to keep to the uh one of each mold unless there's something like drastically different about it you know. Uh, so anything that's a straight repaint I'm trying not to uh and trying to be better about if I see it beforehand like if you know if you know we see hey in two waves there's going to be a much much better version of this paint job or a, uh, a as a character you like more than the first one uh, I'm trying to be better about that I've always had I've always had a very bad you know Pokemon mentality of it. I've got to catch them all, um, as we've talked about many times, of my Mm. peculiarities of mental illness and relation to Transformers, um, and trying to get everything, and and some variants there for a while. Um, I feel like I've definitely been doing better on that front, mostly. Um, I still like to get one of each mold, because each one's a different experience. Uh, But I have been a little bit better about Not having to, I mean, again, 2020 has kind of been doing it for me too, of poor distribution. So, like some things I've just seen online, everybody saying, hey, this is hot, hot dog crap. Stay away from it. And just going, all right, thanks other people for warning me ahead of time. And I won't be getting that or waiting for that super deep discount. Um, Yeah, that's, I mean, the guidelines that i try to build but then i see the impulse by ratchet and and wheelie and throw it out the window because it's been a while since i've just bought something at the store and i needed that like dopamine hit
0: yeah good retail brain chemicals had to be are, are the universal e- exception.
2: everything else has had to be like Amazon or or something else because of distribution woes or the like. So you know, mm-hmm. that that's a place where I, I I try and follow rules and I still like keep budgetary rules in place. But you know, beyond that, I've I've basically been a recul- recluse for the last two years and have only spent money on houses. So I have some fun money. <laughs> I have two of them still, now, theoretically. even theoretically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, only only for a few more days, and I get True. a big stinky check, <laughs> and have to figure out how uh, everybody else gets parts of that big stinky check, and then maybe I get a like an econo box out of it, so that I can no longer have to drive the truck because I hate driving the truck. Don't don't get before full size truck with a like that bed and try and live around. Look at
0: that guy; else. he traded a whole house for just a bunch of like money. He can't even live in the money. What happened to that? guy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway yeah those those are some rules Uh, those are some rules and guidelines not your own personal ones but perhaps some inspirations uh, if you're looking for a few Uh, thanks for the question Inhuman Elm got one here from Daniel Zonenberg says uh, generous and beneficent WTFTFW hosts could this humble hybo man treat you for a request I promise I do have a real question with which to supplement this item it's not too cheeky could I use a listener question slot to co-opt your platform and put some ideas out into the fandom either I will read these uh, but I will read them fast Number one, I think it would be a cracking idea for someone to make an upgrade kit for Legacy uh, Motor Master that has a new head and four blocks, which can break down into accessories and integrate with the combined mode so he can stand on his own as a super mode. Don't you? Okay, here's what I'm going to say, just quickly. In my opinion, he already has a super mode. They just forgot to make fiction to go with Legacy. That's the only problem. Um, Mm -hmm. Number two... I've always wanted a toy that could recreate Overlord's anime debut, where the tank spins the treads independently to dig under the desert sand for a sneak attack, and I have a basic idea how to design it so the tank turret has 360 degrees of movement, an infamous obstacle for all Overlord's across the world. You know the uh, RH-03 Rabbit Zord from GoBusters. I actually do, I had to think for a second. Uh, It has ridges that deploy inside the mount for the helicopter blades uh, so they can spin, which then retract when you split the vehicle down the middle, just like how the Giga Tank traditionally transforms. Uh, What does all your experience exploring toy design say to you about this idea? Is it too ambitious, too simple? I think, just to throw a quick one in here, the thing about tank turrets is that they are too round on the inside and too square on the outside for a lot of simpler ideas to work quite right without the... The tank turret potentially unscrewing itself uh, or falling off. Um, it's it's the it's the shapes. I think uh, more so than anything else that mess around. But, *Combiner Wars* Megatron also happened, and that t- that turret split, didn't it? That it his arms.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It cut, you you'd have to have like f- three or four layers of stack. Yeah. That then also really locks in like it'll work as arms because you can have things like a head and torso end up in between where the arms are. So if you were to do it because the tank turret's end up on the like on the thighs, right? So you'd have to have some weird like double armature piece that comes and it like hides some of that that goes up into the pelvis to be the central joining area.
0: Yeah. It has to have thickness too. That's, that's the thing looking at saber from star saber, mm-hmm. just to, this is, you know, not, not get into the toy I got, but Sa- Saber, <laughs> saber, toy that I've got that anybody else in the show has. <laughs> be- Sorry, go ahead. People are constantly calling out that saber has forearm gaps that his, his hands fold into. And looking at him in person, the plastic that his forearms are made of, I think, is too thin to accommodate forearm flaps that would actually stay in place. And that's another thing, that for a gimmick like this, like, the plastic also has to be thick enough to not snap apart. And given Mm -hmm. that these would probably be railings that are deploying without you being able to see them physically, they would have to be incredibly automated, and they'd have to be incredibly thick to have very rigid mm-hmm. movement positions that do not vary very much or the internal mechanism will get off track and then you can't fix it uh, without basically disassembling the thing by splitting it in half with all the track bits in place. So there's there's that bit too. That's the thing that I just think gets forgotten about a lot is plastic thickness and how much it matters. Uh, it, it was an easy thing for me to forget about many times when spitballing about toys and you look at them in person finally yeah. and you're like oh this you just couldn't put a flap here where the hinge would be anything but the worst friction hinge yeah uh yeah
2: i i think that's something where we as a fandom or at least our little corner of the fandom has gotten a whole lot better about understanding design as as part of the things that have to happen where there's the difference between mm-hmm. you know the the $500 third party thing that's you know the size of a toddler and what it can do, versus what Hasbro tries to sling out at a twenty, thirty, or fifty-dollar price point. And like, yeah, when money isn't an object, you can get away with a lot more stuff. Uh, and even then, there's some things. You know, there have been I've seen some of the reviews of some not inexpensive third-party things that tried to do a trick and didn't do it well, and then. Just like an arm doesn't stay on now because it relied on three thin little rail things in order to do a really neat trick to move or shift mass. But as soon as you're not moving all three of those things perfectly linearly, something pops off or a little tab breaks and now it's $300 of garbage. Well,
0: it's mass production fail points, too. And like the, the more intricate something is, the yeah. more... It's not failure points full stop. Yeah. It's mass production failure points because... A, lot, a yeah. lot of companies, no matter, even ones located in the same country, doesn't always mean that they get access to the factories that they are using to produce stuff, and without that connection you lose a lot of you, you lose things and you gain inexplicable problems that, that account for a lot of some of the weirder Transformers problems, too. Um, just just like, you know, factory floor um, managers making decisions on the floor that mm-hmm. it turns out run concurrent to some of the design of the toy in question. Yeah. Um, Oh hey, playmates! Ninja Turtles. I mean, that's where I first learned about all this. Yeah, we just didn't. We just
2: didn't. Yeah, well, we just didn't paint it because we didn't feel like doing it. He didn't have it enough money just to made it He didn't have okay, enough money for all well. the paint
0: apps, so we just chose the ones to leave out. It's like okay, cool. Well, we we own the company though. We're... <laughs> we hoped you just put just put pro- put product photos may vary from product in in package. Okay. Um, this actually does relate though to the the actual question here, um, which is. Uh, what got unlocked at Hasbro Corporate to allow them to suddenly become really responsive to fan feedback in the past couple years? They've addressed concerns about Siege battle damage. They've actively gathered intel from collectors to track the ongoing plastic yellowing problem. They've shifted their reveal strategies to try to combat leaks. Uh then uh, question askers' hypothesis of their newest tactic is to reveal more toys but only show one mode. Uh, so the next time, they technically still have new images to show. And most recently, they've gotten on the ball with reissues, shifting from repacking Earthrise RC twice and Wheeljack thrice to reissuing Studio Series Dark of the Moon Prime and some of the extremely scarce War for Cybertron Coneheads. Seeing this all on the back of things like the obvious third-party influences on Legacy uh Motormaster have me convinced they have a research team toiling away between Thrilling 30 and Today to nail down engagement strategies with or, which are finally being mobilized. Thanks, as always for the thought provoking commentary that puts me in a better mindset uh, about this hobby than just want TF's ellipses, get TF's ellipses, have TF's, uh, TF's ellipses clock. Wh- one thing I want to put out there is that part, basically the folks who are doing all the work that people are seeing right now have always been there. Um, it's that thankfully somehow someone in one of the upper entity area, I was calling the upper entities cause that, I think it's just, it's a catch-all. But those upper entities finally, at least currently, um, loosened their tie slightly and saw the value in having human engagement uh, with the, with the folks who, who are into their stuff, who are interested in that engagement. Um, that that's 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 a lot of like they've always dating back to the Aaron Archer team days of the early two thousands. They have always tracked this stuff online. Um, to one degree or another, it, mm-hmm. it would it would lessen at times, it would it would get heightened at times, but even the most distant teams, like the uh, the, the, the Clint era and the the mark era, uh, not this current mark, the other mark, Mark Weber, <laughs> those were like I called them distant because they didn 't really have a lot of direct through lines to fans, but in the, in the scant few interactions we could have with them, they still demonstrably were following stuff to some degree. Um, mm-hmm. but right now we do have this beautiful, this, 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 uh, wonderful Pandora's box that's opened where, uh, they have not only allowed the current team to have face to face engagement, but they're allowing them, thank goodness to interact online, uh, on Instagram, yeah. um, through their own platforms. It's obviously still under certain controls and, uh, and, and rule sets, but incredibly loose ones and ones that yeah, that get brought up, you know? Yeah, so I'd say
2: part of it actually may well be this global pandemic. Yeah, as part of it, because um, I mean, it's something that I you know I've seen with my work. You know, before the pandemic, there was no way ever that I'd be able to do my work from home because I deal with strict confidential things, rassum frassum. And then you know something caused a literal paradigm shift, and now I work from home. I I've been in the office. Once in the last two years, so have learned ways of doing things remotely, and I would not be surprised if part of it is when Hasbro sent all their designers home because it's not safe to have everybody be in a crowded office. And what I remember of the Hasbro trip, there some of their office areas were like you were sitting, you know, back to back with coworkers, which is great for collaboration, and they work in a collaboration-heavy environment. I I could very well see a portion of it being they had to learn how to collaborate remotely how to how how to show your your teammates, your team leads and your your project leads, your program leads, the people up the food chain that are the the accountant types or the 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 producer types to show what this is and then I think that's a very easy pivot then to say, you know, can we do basically this presentation with the final toys in six months or in eight months when it's a lot closer to release because we're not going to, you know, there is no toy fair this year. There is no, you know, bot con with official presence this year for us to get out in front of fans to show it so we can do the same type of presentation of hey here's this thing here's these people maybe that have with with something like zoom have gotten more proficient in presenting things than your stereotypical basement dwelling designer nerd um that you know hey they know they they've got a better idea of how to do this and and you know it turns out these are all friendly people because They're people, and you can put a face on the brand that's not the toys. And I feel like it's definitely a win. I hope it's something that continues on into the future. Beyond, like, why they've become more responsive is probably also the same thing. Because they're acting as the face, and then you can respond back to them, and then that opens the dialogue. And even if it's not a great dialogue, it's the beginning of a dialogue. And they've I also had the right response, I think, with the with the the plastic issues, with the yellowing plastic issues. To instead of like stonewalling or corporating it, have said, "Yeah, it's messed up. Let's work together to see how we can prevent it in the future." And that's the the customer service one hundred and one. How you'll always win most people is saying. Yeah, we boned that one, but let's figure it out together, and then you I bring think I think it really the that have the issue into the resolution, and show that you're not just like no, we uh, admit that it's um, it's Cybertronian paint that randomly turns colors. Ah, it's a feature, not a book. Yeah,
0: it, it really got to give credit though to I think a, a lightning in a bottle situation because from what my observations, mm-hmm. I think that Mark and Evan both having joined the team in their current positions in a certain timing that matches up with some of this energy, I think the two of them specifically also have a very uh, specific combination of being us in those positions, basically fans in those positions, and having Mm -hmm. similar um, thoughts and and demonstrable uh, attitudes to wanting to interact with the fandom in a very public way. Uh, I think that that was a little bit of a lightning in a Mm -hmm. bottle situation that like, really... Put the it put the it, it fully tore the cork out of the bottle. Uh, having the two of them there at the same yeah. time uh, for all this stuff, um, but yeah, that that's uh, like I think it's just the, the big important thing to say is that like for the sake of the history, it's it's really worth noting that like this level of observation has always been there in some form, and we've we've been informed about it. Uh, it's just that that used to be at panels that no one could record. So, so, it was a lot of like triple layer hearsay mm-hmm. uh
2: yeah and and again, that's kind of the difference in in the the medium how the medium changes the messages or the messaging, because before, when it was like two or maybe three industry events a year and one official convention, you had four very pre planned interactions with minimal Q&A versus the the new paradigm where there's no like they don't have to wait for toy fair in New York to do the thing we've got some, something we can talk about you know this Friday so we can talk about you know more up to date we're not having to lay out a whole two waves to convince Walmart to buy yeah. 8 million units. Well,
0: it's more relaxed too, You can right? talk
2: straight to the fans. And yeah, it's more relaxed. Yeah. Oh, I I could not imagine being like okay, you're going to pitch this entirely new toy line to Walmart and Target and Myers and all all of the retailers this year and if you pitch it well and you sell more units, hey, guess what? You get to keep working at the thing you like to do and if Eh. you bone it or something else down the line isn't right well you know you you get to sit there with your own self-doubt and loathing because the thing that you dumped eight months of work into you got sick on bad shrimp the night before in a city two hours away or five hours away from home
0: the toy the toy fair thing also was just having to do like triple duty because you'd have to switch from, you have to switch personas because half the time you're at toy fair you're also interacting with uh, on a once a year event with with distributor uh, industry professionals and then you're giving a version of that same presentation to fan sites during the fan sites given time but you've changed your pers- your persona slightly to be a little bit more human because you're not talking to the Walmart distro man anymore uh, it was just a very mm-hmm. stressful situation. Also, having to talk about a year of toys all at once, um, we, we've ended up for the better as far as just the tone of all this stuff. Uh, it's 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 also on the Q and A side so much more relaxed of not having to go like I have one opportunity to ever to ever this is my one opportunity I ever get this year to ever ask a single question. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got to be the perfect one, and you screw up and you accidentally ask about a future toy, and you're just like, no, <laughs> I screwed it all up. Uh what what if RC was a head ma- Shit. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> yeah. Uh I uh one one last thing I want to throw in. This is this is because of the wording of the question. I got to throw this in. This is not specifically about Legacy Motormaster, but as a great example, I've seen a said before where someone sees a new transformer and they're like, "You can see the obvious third-party influences." I want to put out this concept though. Legacy Motormaster and by proxy Legacy Menasor are solving a very specific problem. Uh, I I genuinely don't think there's really obvious third-party influences on Legacy Motor Master, so much as a whole bunch of people all wanted to make stupid Sunbow Motor Master. I think that's mm-hmm. more so the thing that's going on here, and and by proxy, stupid Sunbow Menosor. Uh, and and maybe that's the influence that the third party did it, and
2: Hasbro was able to say, yeah, you know. I guess I guess it's doable. But even then eh? and then it and even then it took time for it to happen. I mean, because we all we, I mean, they always talk about how like what they're designing is out 12 to 18 months. So if you look at when we first saw it and you roll back a year and a half, I don't know if like the third-party Sunbow style was
0: was out. I, I I'll just say I, I, I don't have, think I'd have I to don't... go back and look at a calendar. <clears throat> or TJ, go ahead. And do it. I
1: mean, I mean, I want to. I I don't think the Sunbow style was out. Um, I feel like the one thing the third party did that would technically influence this is show that there is a very big demand for combiner characters that was not there before, or at least that Hasbro was not aware of.
2: <clears throat> uh, except for they had a whole line they had a whole year and a half that was nothing but combiners. Y-
1: except that didn't even for stuff but that, that, should d- that have didn't happen until you had the third party companies that went all about combiners for yeah. years before yeah.
0: that that one combiner wars I always have have been able to accept like that probably was informed by a market trend but I just what I will say is I will always not to you guys necessarily but to anyone listening I will always caution a lot of trepidation in connecting thread lines of timelines of third party toys as we're aware of them to the release of a transformers toy with our estimate of its development life cycle. Cause at, at the end of the day, at least half of these cases are also companies happening to try to solve the same problem. And sometimes I think people get a little overly cavalier with like, you can see that third party has dictated the course of transformers in this, this, and this. And it's like, you gotta, we gotta relax a little bit, though, with this, because also Transformers folks, uh, especially on the Takara Tomy side, they have, like, 20 to 40 years almost backing up the stuff that they're doing in some cases. Uh, and it, it I think it's really important to remember that to a certain degree when, if, if only for the sake of properly assessing Transformers' official product that comes out now and then. Because uh, I've seen the thread connection happen before with timelines, and it's kind of like, dog, I think... I think these are also just coincidences. <laughs> but then Sherlock Holmes, was it not, who said, there are no such thing as coincidences, not in Britain. That's a Sherlock Holmes quote. You can find it uh, if you dig hard enough. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway, hope that answered uh, your, your uh, question, uh, Daniel Zonenberg. We got one here from Endertrot, uh, who would like me to make up a high-energy intro to this question because they got nothing. All right. Hey guys, it's been a while since I last asked anything to you guys mailbox and the Renegade Transformers tabletop RPG finally came out and I wanted to ponder your thoughts on it if any because I know Chris is still on the board games kick and TJ is also really into D&D and Aaron, uh, I don't actually know if Aaron likes tabletop games or anything so I guess this is aimed at you two. And he praises, criticisms, or even comparisons to be made to Commandroids. So here's the funny thing is, is multiple funny parts a Aaron is so into board games that he's been to board game conventions more than either of us uh, <laughs> and b <laughs> I think I'm the only person of us three who backed commandroids or interacted with it.
1: i I didn't know about <laughs> commandroids until this question <laughs> I,
2: I i I have like a room in my house that is going to be just half for board games. That's... and and we're looking at when 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 the the next uh modular gaming table kickstarter from Wormwood happens <laughs> like do we get a small one as a dining room table or do we get
0: a big one to go down in the basement so uh, uh... i think this is very funny i really like this and it made me smile <laughs> with genuine mirth uh I don't want, I don't want it to feel bad. It's just, it was very, the, the, the specificities of, of these lines was, was surgical. <laughs> uh, so uh, I should say, bouncing off, bouncing off this question is also if we've checked out any of the other Renegade Hasbro RPGs, which is Power Rangers and, uh, and My Little Pony and G.I. Joe. Um, I personally haven't. Um, T- uh, so TJ, have you checked into any of the, the Renegade TTRPG stuff? Cause I think Aaron might be the only one of us who has one of the books.
1: Um, I've briefly glanced at the stuff that went on with the transformer one. Um, like I've I've got, I've got I've got the PDF. I just haven't had the chance to read through the whole thing yet. Um, mm. like all I all I really know about it is treating like different types of transformers as uh basically your classes. It's like mm-hmm. uh, and that's okay. I I I guess if you're gonna try and hammer like typical tabletop RPG stuff into transformers that's one way you go about it uh i don't know if it's necessarily the right one um i don't know i honestly like
2: god i've got... well it's it's not classes so much as it's like significant modifiers too like whatever you do cuz there's also significant modifiers that deal with like what size you are because that's one of the things that comes up multiple times through the book and I wish it's down in my, my, my bookshelf of RPG books. Uh, so it's not here at hand right now. Um, uh, um,
0: well, but, for yeah, just, just to, to hit the other points, it's, Aaron quickly. It's, I, I, uh... I,
2: and I, I, I will also say that mine that was provided by renegade games. Thank you again. Um, like it, it appears to be a good system um so it it's there it's just i unfortunately like most of my transformers people aren't local people, and most of the local people that want to play role playing games want to go to d and d because you know d and d I've heard that's a problem so, in uh, in a lot of spaces yeah <laughs> i i mean <laughs> I've got one friend that stated that he was interested in it and he's also somebody that's been through a lot of different systems. So it's more like, Hey, this is a new system to do a thing. And then unfortunately everybody else has got a little bit of like the Matt Mercer effect, which I've DM'd for them and they left like, Oh yeah, that was, that was okay. But you know, I watched this, Podcast, or I watch this web show. Yeah, where yeah, it's these yeah. other guys. I'm like, yeah, those nope. are all professional nope. actors. <laughs> you are t- you are talking acting, you are talking about like... an
0: improv show that used an RPG as a backdrop. That... <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, Versus us us sitting here around a table. Are you an improv actor? You weren't doing crap. Yeah, I said, you know, okay, what are you doing? And you're like, uh, and then you rolled a handful of
0: dice. That wasn't you. Cool. Drive me nuts. Where were you in you that, that scene? Huh? Drives me friggin' huh? nuts. This is, a, this is a thing that's been, ever since that became like one of the big pushes, right, for people who are all going to D&D is we saw, we saw Critical Role, we saw other actual play po- things that were halfway like um, uh, dramatized improv shows. There are so many games I have seen that I think are super interesting that have tiny role sets because they are 90% improv storytelling games, which technically mm-hmm. is what most of these folks are really into the idea of doing. And then no one ever has any interest because they're like, no, nah, but I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd rather play with a D&D class. I know. And I'm like, but dog, I know you just want to tell a funny story. So why don't we bust out something like Fiasco yeah. and just tell a funny story? Yeah.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, it was one thing I saw at Barnes and Nobles was there was a book. Uh, what was it? It was like a book of 40, like, one shots where it was like you tore the page out of the book. And the front and the back was the whole rule set. Mm-hmm. And it was like a self-contained story, like, "Oh, you're noir detectives on a space station, and you have to figure out what happened to all the rhodium." Yeah. Go. Or li- and it's like okay, it's like a story jumping off point, and here are some, here's the quirks of whatever, and it's just like, here's the basics of it, and go like. There's not a giant clunky system because, you know, that's maybe not what you want to do. If you want to do a collaborative storytelling thing, then you can do that. But Yeah, yeah laser, lasers yeah, the, and the, feelings. is another one the getting, off the top of my head. The, uh, yeah, but yeah, the getting the like, ugh, that wasn't, you know, you, you didn't do eight different voices and whatever, it's, which I've not gotten that. That critique before but i've I have gotten a oh that's different than what it was on yeah. whatever, and I have to try really hard not to yell at this this basically baby in in <laughs> role playing gaming terms. This is like the first time they've gone out and do something you know you don't go start screaming at them how they're the moron because they didn't bring anything to it at all except for a handful of dice, and then just oh that was the uh, the guy I'm thinking of just. Constantly like, okay, what are you doing? And it'd just be like, die roll. And eh, then yeah. not look at the die. Not look at anything. It's like, I rolled a seven.
0: Yeah. Tell, tell cool. me what happened. That was a D12. Let, let me put another one out there. Tell me what you want to do. We got Atma season and we'll one. we'll go from there. Atma season one, card-based narrative storytelling with a couple tokens and two dice. Button-shy games launching wallet-sized role-playing games for anywhere from one player to two to eight players, which are just 18-card sets of basically rule-setted prompts that demand the cards have a mechanic as part of the design, but yet, yet, 18-card wallet, role-play session, mostly storytelling, drives me up the wall. Uh, but uh, just, mm-hmm. just quickly, Aaron, so you, that also means you haven't actually like laid hands on like the other Renegade TTRPGs, right? Just before I... I no, that.
2: I haven't. Uh, I saw their books at Gen Con, um, but the Transformers one was the one that was on the cusp of coming out at that point in time, and I already had a backpack full of. Uh, and um, sorry, sorry Ender Trot, I'm just going to use uh <laughs> now. It's it's it's.
0: I, I'm, it's I'm, weird that you went to Gen Con looking uh, for Transformers um, toys. I don't really get. I don't. I mean, you know, you yeah. do you, but. I,
2: uh, I I have I have seen uh, what was it I I, I almost sure when was that it was the year after Devastator came the the Titan Devastator came out because I skipped it well I didn't skip it so much as I wanted to buy it locally and then it never showed up at Toys R Us when that great Canadian brand still existed in the United States um, and I saw a boxed Takara one there and was like uh do i do i buy that and then it was it was like 150 over what i should have been paying for it if i was buying it from somebody else And it was like no i'm not going to buy the trans the one the one sealed transformers thing on the floor here so theoretically i might have been going to gen con in order to to buy yeah just
0: not not on not on any kind of like solid sport, poor spin recommendation uh, I, I also yeah. want to put out there the chance that endertrott 's fully aware of all of this, and this may have in fact been a surgical psyop strike that we all just got victimized by <laughs> maybe. Uh, I mean, maybe I mean, might have might have gone the long way around and, <laughs>
2: and they 're playing me for a fool
0: I, I wanted because I actually have the commandroids book and i and I talked to the commandroids folks um i, I like i haven 't gone to play it because also that book that book arrived in perfect time for me to be at home for two years or so. But uh <laughs> I uh I did flip through it. Commandroids is uh actually it is worth looking at. That book has a lot of systems in it. It is very storytelling oriented with it's kind of like it's very storytelling oriented, but they also made a system for everything. That does mean the book is incredibly yeah. dense. Uh it accommodates like yeah. cassette well, cassettes no, and s- combiners.
2: We sat through their demo thing before... Character they, creation. As
0: they were doing the Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah we the
2: character, character creation, creation thing at, 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 TFCon. at TFCon. Yeah, yeah
0: it, it's, it's not hard to make a character. It's just that if you have an idea, there's a mechanic for it. So it is a, a hypothetically very dense game to go through if you get carried mm-hmm. away. Um, but I think that, again, like, like it, with a lot it, of these, you have the right GM, and it's going to be a good time. Like a GM who says, what are you comfortable with?
2: That is invariably the the thing that will determine your, your, like, how good your tabletop role-playing experience is, is finding a group that wants similar enough things to what you want and a GM that is going to do the right kind of yes-anding, you know, Take, take yeah. your idea and go with it. Or explain to you why, no, you can't have a dragonborn in this setting because it's we're playing cyberpunk. Like, we can do things kind of <laughs> like what you want to do, but no, there aren't dragon people walking around in cyberpunk. You can be modded out from a lot of tech stuff to look like a dragon person, but you're not actually going to have like draconian lineage. So like we can, we can get there, but maybe that's, maybe
0: this isn't the venue
2: for that. Maybe
0: we look at something else
2: and Uh, figure out why you want to be that, you know, that's, that
0: makes me really want to give the shout out to just a quick one. Mike at D20 live, who has been the GM that has invited me on for a bunch of things. One of the, I mean, granted, I don't have a ton of experiences, but like Mike, I think is a very good GM because he can accommodate a player like me who is eager to try to learn the mechanics, but I mostly would like to play a character, and it works out. Uh, we're, we're doing a, a sort of longer term Star Wars thing right now. I'm playing a droid who thinks he's a guy, uh, or maybe he is a guy who's been put in a droid, who knows. And I've had a couple side, not just me, but just in my case, twice I've had a sort of sideways solution to a thing where I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm a droid commander. Look at, I got a big command stick. I do a command roll on this? And Mike will let me roll the dice. Twice now, I rolled very well. So Mike just said, okay, what do you do? <laughs> because you just succeeded at the roll. So we were supposed to fight a Rancor. I rolled a very high command roll. So I browbeat a Rancor, verbally. And it worked. It was funny. We all had a laugh. We opened a do- recently opened an elevator door full of stormtroopers, they probably were going to catch on. We were in very silly disguises. I was like, can I do a command roll? I rolled a very high command roll. So I just yelled at the stormtroopers, and the command roll dictated that the yelling worked. And it, it was, it was fun times, nice, short, concise, and, and kind of goofy. But that's the kind of thing in a good GM is like, it's like you say, Hey, I want to try a thing. Can I do this? They're like, okay. And if you roll, if you screw up, you roll with, you roll with it. If you roll and you win, they roll with it and it, it works out. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we should keep going here, because I, I think we've answered this question quite well. Um, so uh, thank you for that, uh, uh, Andrew Trot. we got one here from Mr. Biatis. He says, Hi again, WTFTFW. I have a listener question for you all, but first I want to give a very, very, very belated thank you for your answers to my last question. Bear in mind, that was in 2018, and your 15th anniversary will be upon us before we know it. That is true. Uh, anyway, on to my question. I was planning on sending this long, complicated question and force you to examine your thought process and behavioral habits as Transformers fans. Ha, ha, two questions already did that this episode, Mr. Bytes. <laughs> instead I'll have the following do any of you have any favorite instances of unintentionally funny moments in this franchise moments that weren't meant to be comedic but still managed to get a laugh or a smile out of you uh, I can think of at least two in the last night when Quintessa is going on about how prime has to destroy Earth and you can hear prime give a sinister yes with which without fail in that scene always makes me chuckle um, editorial aside that is the funniest moment of that entire movie uh, it's uh, because of how quickly and yet quietly it was delivered. It made it seem incredibly out of place. The other one is from a Creo product demo back when Hasbro was releasing Beast Hunters uh, Creo sets. There was one called Beast Blade Optimus. In the demo, uh, the man presenting it says it's the Creo Transformers Beast Hunters Beast Optimus Prime building set from Hasbro. Immediately after saying this mouthful, he takes an audible breath. I don't know why, but that always managed to get a laugh out of me. I look forward to hearing your answers. Those are two very funny things. <laughs> I didn't know about the Creo mm-hmm. one, but that's very funny. <laughs>
2: I, I can definitely see that. This is the these are all the <laughs> brand
0: words that I have to hit. It's the Creo Transformers <sighs> Beast Hunters Beast Optimus Prime building set from Hasbro. <gasps> <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. Uh, I mean that's probably gonna be mine, so I'll hold off here. Uh, TJ, have you got have you got an unintentionally funny moment in Transformers? Uh, that you can think
1: um... of um the ones that come to mind all have to do with live-action Optimus being a horrible hero. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 th- I think "Give Me Your Face" is probably the most obvious answer there. Um, mm-hmm. just because it's just the, the the last thing I would imagine any Optimus Prime saying ever.
0: Uh, Peter Cullen, but, in fact, also. <laughs> uh,
1: yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. And honestly, like, it's nuts. it's really not something to be laughed at. But, I mean, because it's a dramatic, it's a dramatic moment where, like, uh, it's at the end of Age of Extinction where, like, Optimus saves Cade from being killed by the Cemetery Wind guy. But in my head, all it is, is Optimus Prime just shot Kelsey Grammer.
0: You know what makes it actually funny? Because I, I have your back on this one, Kelsey Grammer ragdolling after it too, like a friggin' Unreal Engine <laughs> character model. <laughs> yeah, he goes spinning across the screen for a minute. <laughs> it's not a full minute. It's just he he ragdolls in just this certain way where he, <laughs> it makes it so funny. Optimus Prime just like it's like somebody did a f- somebody did a physics
2: simulation with a digital double and had a decimal place in a wrong point or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure, that's good enough, whatever. Optimus Prime just Pretty gravity
0: much. gunned Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so
2: much so much about the like you know, the you know, we're were the, the, the twins were they meant to be that cringy? Or did did somebody think that was like the note they had to hit or or um Wheelie was he supposed to be that weird humpy thing on purpose to make people go or was that was that meant to be comedy am i laughing at that because that's comedy or am i laughing at that because it's either that or vomit like
1: i I mean with the the twins i feel like they hit that same note as the boardroom of executives who decided that the 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 saturday morning cartoon is going to start with a rap song because aren't the kids into rap that'll be cool it'll be cool with the kids
0: they're into the hip and Mm -hmm. the hop Sorry, I was just I was just thinking about uh, one of those many white people raps from a PSA where someone goes like, "Hip to the hippity hop," and I'm like, "Did anyone ever say that in an actual yeah. song, or was that like just fully manufactured by the the machine?" Uh, yeah, I, I actually would would lump in a lot of Kiss play with this, um, specifically Legion, because uh, it's it's pretty gross. But the way that my brain is is that Legion, when I first heard what Legion was. I thought it was hilarious because it just crossed so many lines at the exact same time at like a Mach twelve speed that I was like, "This is, <laughs> of course, they eat them too." Yeah, <laughs> uh, so that's part of the reason why I always have that little endeared moment for Legion is because it's uh, it's it's like it's like what a lot of people who aren't me feel about human centipede. Human centipede, and that that maybe that explains my own personal brain chemistry. Human centipede just makes me mad. Uh, but Transformers Kiss Play Legion makes me, makes me go, haha, ha, ha, sure. Uh, my own one, I found it. I found it, because I still have this in a folder here. I'm going to put this in the podcast chat in a second. It is from the Lego Optimus Prime instruction book. Uh, it's one of the funniest things of the last five years in all of Transformers. When you get to see Optimus Prime's famous call-out phrase, Autobots convert and roll out... Next to <laughs> <Yep>. Transformers G-184 <laughs> comic book cover. It's so perfect. I love it in part. It became even funnier to me when we found out that like this entire project was basically spearheaded by Joe Kide. So that means one of us had to be a part and parcel to, to having tr- Autobots convert and roll out be written in this book. <laughs> and know what that would look like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And in, if I were in Joe Kide's position, I would have relished this. I would have made the font even bigger. Because I've been like, well, if we have to do it, we're going to do it. 3,000%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, I hope that answers your question, Mr. Biatis. I still liked your... That Beast Hunters Creole one is still sticking with me. I need to find that video. <laughs> That's the... Because I remember that era of product videos when they would be saying every brand word in a big, long row, and then from Hasbro at the end, as though you hadn't guessed. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, our next question here is one is one from Corito. He says, hello. So when Ikea is opening down here next week for the first time in August, uh, first one in the continent of, of uh, South South America... And I was planning on going there to see how much a Detolf is, since I've always wanted one and was wondering what else I should look for, uh, to help organize my collection. Please don't say bookshelves, because I've been making my own for half a decade now, unless they make cheap ones with glass doors. <laughs> Guess what, Carito? Maybe you found this out already. The Billy bookshelf system is actually a little bit better than the Detolfs, and they make glass doors for it. <laughs> so, uh, th- th- that's actually my Ikea toy collector recommendation, is glass shelf, uh, Billy bookshelves, um... Kalaxes are classically the ones the board gamers always get. Those are those can be useful for toys, but Billy Bookshelves are so good for toys. And Detolfs are neat, but much like... Uh, oh, there's so many things. Much like the Double Down, once you have a Detolf, you kind of see w- what the whole spiel is, but also you realize that, like, there are a lot better things you could be doing than collecting Detolfs. I say that as someone who has, like, yeah, two of them. Yeah, I... I, I think, so, one of the things
2: that with this new house, it keeps coming up like it's a major life thing, um, that I've picked up, like, I have one big wall that I have put rack mount shelves onto, so I just have the, like, the vertical things, and then I hang the, the brackets onto it that I can put boards across it. So... I say a lot of it is probably going to come down to the space that you have as well because like for up here in my office I'm thinking about getting a couple of details for the really like premiered display things for stuff that I want to display individually versus you know like bookshelves or, or yeah whereas bookshelves or the rack shelves are going to be good for I'm going to have one shelf that's like most of animated because that's also something that looks really good by itself, but there's no way you're putting that on a Detolf shelf. That'd be most of a Detolf. I think maybe you could have oh, a, easily. two or three shelves of a Detolf. Yeah. 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 But, it, it, but then it comes down to like, okay, well then like how else do you kind of theme the rest of this so that it goes together? If you want to theme things, or if you're fine with it just clashing, whatever. But, you know, th- I think it's more a thing for, for that, that, you know, go looking at, or or hopefully months ago you went looking at um, what the space is that you have to put this into and how to get the best use out of that space versus just saying, hey, you have to spend 15% of your collection on ikea products in order to display it or else it's not a real collection
0: or whatever also that's why i like the the billy's bookshelves more because they they fulfill the i want like three of them kind of purchase or or um, purpose Mm -hmm. a bit better the reason because i I should i'll take it back Detolfs are not the double down Detolfs are edible they're the baconator you you just you don't need to have three baconators i say this because of the era of toy collecting where suddenly half the collection room photos were like eight consecutive detolfs all lined up with add-ons inside the detolfs to add more shelving layers at which point you're kind of like you could you should maybe just get a billy because it already has that many layers and and it has glass doors and
2: they didn't look like and that's the thing again i think that like one detolf as a premiere thing or as an accent thing looks good like that's a great way to yeah show off pieces. And maybe if you have a couple of them in a room in like corners or on either side of a TV or something, that looks really good. Um but yeah, there was a period of time where it was like, no, everything goes in a detolf, god damn it. And then you've got like a wall of details and then you're like, man, you know yeah, Billy's are a whole system. It's it's also it's, it was you know, the it I, was I just, the expensive third party add ons.
0: It was the add-ons to the details that yeah. started to drive me nuts, because I'm like, I'm like, now you're like, this is like the most expensive way to have 8-level shelving that you feasibly could ever do, mm-hmm. short of like trying to like pay a person to hand blow every glass shelf. Like, you, this is a, a huge amount of money to yeah. spend on like, the thing about Ikea, ostensibly it's supposed to be affordable as well. So like, w- once you're mm-hmm. blowing an extra 30 to $80 on a detail trying to outfit it with lots of stuff, it's kind of like, dog, like the I mean, you can, it's fine, and I don't want to make anyone feel bad if they're from the era and they still are enjoying their Detolf wall. It's just like, it's a thing to talk someone out of in, in 2022, I think. Uh, and also, try knocking a Detolf over, it sucks. <laughs> you ever drop a yeah. Detolf panel? Don't. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the, the fake Ikea names that they had in Deadpool. The oh, pff, When yeah, Blind that, Al is building them. The... Oh, it's gonna make me 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 mad. I'm gonna remember it in like five minutes, and then I'm, the I'm gonna assume it
0: or whatever. I'm assuming it was something like the jackoff or the the masturbator. No, no, like it, no, no. It actually no, no. They
2: they were they were they were very IKEA e names.
0: Okay, okay.
2: <laughs> I I liked that movie, so I don't want to be um, yeah, too. Yeah, I, mean. I've I've got to go. I've got to go. Um, actually
0: find the. Will Aaron is doing uh, that, uh, TJ. Just quickly, I I am pretty sure you like, that your shelving wasn't IKEA. Uh,
1: I've never been to an IKEA in my life, and I've never had an inclination to have IKEA
0: shipped to me. You're doing fine. You're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> IKEA is a solution I'll... to a problem, not a feature. <laughs>
1: All the every everything I know about IKEA is. Through the through like pop culture assimil- assimilation. Yeah, so yeah. all it's just compli- complicated <laughs> oh, they, instructions, D Tolf and Swedish meatballs. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's it's the the colon and the hurtal. I oh, swear right. the colon I is how's real? that colon coming along? I IKEA doesn't assemble itself, you know, blind owl. You're telling me I don't mind the colon. It's an improvement on the Herdal. Please, anything's an improvement over the herdal. I'd have taken a Hemnes or a terstal over the herdal. The Hemnes is real, and they're all, they're all, they're all things. It's like here's the source image of yeah, the column's real the too. Herdal. Here's yeah. the source image of the Hemnes. Here's the col- I. I thought they were just doing the whole no, like, no, no. Okay, throw consonants and vowels together in a in a vaguely Nordic way to come up with names, but no, they actually went you know, all all the way, and had the real things, which then makes me wonder if Ikea had to be like, crap, now we gotta increase production of that kind of uh, Marvel nerds. I've, I've
0: been to Ikea enough, clearly, to have, on a, on a knee jerk, specifically said, no, the hermnal or whatever. Now I now I don't even remember the word you said. But when you said it, it activated the sense memory. I was like, no, that's real! The hemness! <laughs> that's what it was, the hemness. Because I was like, no, I have handled a hemness! I've... <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, so I, I want to confirm because I was pretty sure that TJ was not uh, in the same timeline as Ikea. You've just heard of it. Uh, which is for the better. You're, you're doing fine. <laughs> uh, I don't know... What I'll say... Another, one last thing I'll say is I don't know a single person who would actually say, oh no, you're missing out <laughs> in that situation. Uh, anyway, Carito, uh, uh, I hope that turned out well for you. <laughs> Your eventual visit to Ikea. Uh we got a penultimate question for this one here from XL Hedge. She says, how's it going, Transmetal Vangelist and uh, his cruel masters Quinta TJ and Aaron Unicronus? So, hopefully the Beast Wars reissues will still be a thing when this is answered. Yeah, they'll they just keep doing them.
2: Yeah, uh, they're, still,
0: they're still plopping out. But uh, are there any Beast Wars toys not released in the West? Under Beast Wars, you would like to see reissued. Um, for example, Beast Machines, Magmatron, or Universe Nemesis Prime, I'm guessing as ones that where this actually happened. Uh... And would you want Transmetal releases without the Chrome? Uh, with Transmetal 2 Megatron now confirmed... Uh, oh yeah, that, that was a legacy one. Uh, damn, that was confirmed in August and that's out now. This is what I'm talking about! Sorry, Tangent. Because that freaking thing dropped out of nowhere like this month, and I was like, I thought they just announced that less than half a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey man, what are shipping ways yeah, right now? And for leader-class toys in Canada, that's, eight, that's $80 in tax that just pops up out of nowhere ahead of schedule and, you're, and it's like dog this happens enough times <laughs> anyway uh how opposed would y'all be to Hasbro Pulse Beast Machine's patchwork repaint of that toy with an add-on to give him the control helmet arms and robe if not by Hasbro maybe a third party company am I being unrealistic uh, what do we need to get Hasbro to re-release War and Fall Cybertron so we can take these one at a time uh so foreign uh Beast Wars toys uh non-western Beast Wars toys you'd like to see reissued over here that haven't been already uh this is the weird thing right is a lot of them now in 2022, when a lot of us have gotten to handle them, the numbers dwindle a whole lot because you're like, well, the thing is that looked cool to me before I handled it. (laughs) And now it's kind of, it's a historical piece more than anything else. Like Corada would kind of be one of the primary ones, right? Unless that got a Western release. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. Did not. Okay. Cause there's Corada. Um, If you start getting into stuff like long rack or mock kick, or uh, or break or dead end yeah. It's kind of like all of those all of those weird Neo... does anyone actually want these reissued though cuz now we know how they all work oh. yeah no cuz they're
2: all over they're all oh, all of those ones that didn't come out here are all like overly complex or overly yeah, weird yeah a lot of it is just that, a l- that would only be going to a very minor slice of fans versus like reissue the stuff that did come out in the U.S. that is much simpler, like you know, canine mm-hmm. or whatever. Like Leo Convoy a, and
0: Galvatron. That's a, would be great over here again. I, Galvatron would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like, those I'd like already, multistilli- but... yeah. I'd like that mold to still.
1: Yeah, well, I'd like
2: that. i I like kinda like. Did that Galvatron actually like have a real like on the shelf? I mean, neither
1: release? of them were on the shelf. It was like the the yeah. pre Hasbro toy shop.
2: Yeah, it was. It was yeah. like Hasbro's uh, like employee shop that they went. I don't know. I guess we'll take orders online.
0: Mm. Oh. Yeah, Galvatron yeah, would but, be great. Oh. I mean, they they've got a new Leo Prime coming out. Uh, Galvatron is also just a cool toy. Uh, a lot of copies of him mm-hmm. have been very easily damaged over the years. It'd be a slam dunker, I think. Uh, TJ, sounds like you were down yeah. with this too.
1: Oh, absolutely! Like I would love for that mold to still exist, not only in a more stable state, but also just to just for the l- load of repaints we could get out of that because it's a very like bucket head Megatron look. Uh, yeah, the ones that, the ones that came to mind, and it, it bugs me because one came out and the others didn't was the Cyborg Beasts.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah.
1: We got uh oh which one was it Hell Scream. We got Hell Scream as Overbite here in America Is like the in the last the, the like the the last death rattle of Universe 1.0. And then Dirge Gun was a Collector Club exclusive for uh, Thrustinator and that's that's it. Like they they didn't touch uh they didn't touch any of the others. And that's always been such oh, a cool oh. design. Uh, like I love the design of those and like it again it hits that like it's super niche thing for collectors that like only we like only us that have been around for this long will know what what they are but also they just look
0: super cool like I, they'd fit I can't imagine already too like like yeah they, yeah they'd fit in really well as, as far as like kids who have been seeing the Beast Wars reissues and I assume I've been interested in them like they these would gel in with those quite nicely.
1: Yeah, like, I, I would imagine, like, like just because they look so interesting, I would imagine a kid would be interested in them. Uh, like, probably probably more so than some of the Beast Wars reissues we've gotten.
0: Yeah, it's like, hey, here's he, he, the dog. Okay, how about Cyborg Dog? Oh, ooh. Yeah, do you do do
1: you want a raptor that's half blades or a pill bug?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Retrax got reissued. I keep forgetting that actually happened. Mhm.
2: Yeah. He keeps <laughs> popping up every time I go to Hasbro Pulse. like please. you you want the retracts, right? Come on. it's Like the sorry, this thing... was a morbius case. <laughs> on, we still we still
0: got them. We just we just convinced what? you that we wanted them. We this is this is the summer of retracts, I'm sorry. We... Here's here's
1: what's here's what's, messed, here's what's messed up. There's a lot of there's like a lot of in-show characters that don't have those reissues, retracts does though, and the retracts is missing parts right out of the bo- the box.
0: God, it, we convinced them. We we spent we spent over a decade saying like, no, everyone actually loves retracks and then they they went ahead and did it, and we we're like, oh, you called our bluff. <laughs> <laughs> everyone who wanted retracks bought them fifteen twenty years ago. <laughs> Sorry. Uh,
1: and the vending one have all their legs, which is a bit of a bonus.
0: Yeah, uh, but yeah, that, that's. I think I think those are, those all kind of hit good spots for uh for reissues. I mean, I would love to see a couple weird uh, maybe one or two weird neo toys get reissued simply academically. Uh, but this is this is a few minutes ago now. The other thing about neo reissues is not only are they not really known that well, but I think most people who really want them have got them by now between the Japanese release and the Sonic Kong release and then over a decade of those floating around on an aftermarket as more people got into Transformers. Uh, I, just, I feel like there's there's not really call for it, but I'd be happy to hear otherwise, if anyone like out there knows. Um, this next one, actually, I'm really into. Would you want Transmetal releases without the Chrome? Absolutely. I think they'd look fine without the Chrome. Yeah. Because since the 90s, we learned that things actually often look a bit better without Chrome in most cases. So, mm-hmm. hell yeah like can you...
2: And I think there's they've they've also done a pretty good job of coming up with like, you know, there's a couple of silver paints that are out there that aren't uh-huh. chrome, but mm. dang if they're not yeah, close. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would I've been like saying this for years is, like I would love either a like modern takes on transmetals or reissues that just use metallic paint. I don't think that would hurt anybody's feelings mm-hmm. cuz it still looks really really good.
0: Yeah. And some of those designs are begging to have their sculpts actually visually visible uh to a certain without without the chrome like like you know dredging it all in refractive surface like my my boy transmetal two scourge I'd love to see him just as a painted toy uh, I think that could be really neat so uh so hell yeah um and I mean obviously yeah, transmetal yeah. megatron getting Wait, we, getting released without chrome and with a better plastic color for the pelvis like ba boom, we win <laughs> mm hmm
1: I mean, didn't we just get a brand new like Transmetal Two repaint and untight that is just never gonna get a toy, but would be great with that exact process?
0: Uh, yeah, I can't remember what that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's that's from the uh, oh, what was the, what's the name they call them? like the uh, the Dark Amber Lyo Convoy comic?
0: Oh. Pfft, uh... Yeah, I know who you mean. Damn. After, yeah, okay, I, I know who you mean. It's, uh, yeah. I saw that thing, and I didn't read the translation of the comic. But I remember when that news story went up. But, I mean, just in general, there's, so, yeah, so there's a lot of opportunities to do stuff with transmetal things and use modern coloration on them. Uh It'd be very cool. Especially because I think transmetal, I mean, you know, Transmetal Two Megatron happened, but I think the Transmetals are probably very, very low in the queue as far as like having a a generation's redo now because they they, they just did Kingdom into Legacy, hitting all the season one stuff. Uh, I think it's going to be a bit before Transmetals get to get to the full go around again outside of special cases. Although bouncing off that, how about that? Oh, good.
1: They're running out of space at this point. Like, there's only. Two in the Beast cast left to do that aren't transmetal.
0: Yeah, but I think then they're going to cycle to some. They're going to cycle into like, you know, your Unicron trilogy and animated and stuff. Like, I think there's going to be room for them to pop up, but I just think they're they're not high on the priority list because one can cite all the season one stuff getting mm-hmm. uh, getting its its moment already. What if although what, what, if, they're, le- what if they're... what oh, if they are good.
1: I was going to say uh, I like was what say, if...
0: oh. <laughs> tj go
1: what if they save it for another line like right like right now we're in like the like the aftermath of kingdom we're in legacy where they're doing all this what if they could see like we're saving Transmetals later on because they're like for the most part they are completely robotic and can blend in with any other line we want to throw them into
0: Uh, that that totally makes sense and I was just also going to say that yeah. I'd swear one of those most recent leaked lists for, like, 2024 names involved, like, Tigerhawk. Uh, yeah, so like Tigerhawk and like Silverbolt, a, yeah. Yeah, it's it's all mm-hmm. floating around still. Um, but just just, uh, just bouncing through the rest of this stuff, with, with Transmetal 2 Megatron, uh, I, I think that it is inevitable that a third party does the Beast Machine's, quote-unquote, upgrade kit... Um, Whether or not it's a 3D printed, more hobbyist level thing uh, is is probably more so the question, but the toy exists, and currently a generation's toy existing means it gets an upgrade kit from somebody somewhere. Uh, DNA Designs really like to, it's impressive, they like to maintain their presence in news headlines more so than actually put out like stuff that is really necessary (laughs) in some cases. So I, I think that uh if no one else does anything, DNA design's pipeline is eventually going to reach that Megatron and it'll be like, Oh yeah, we can make the Beast Machine stuff. Uh So I I think I don't I don't think that like a Haslab version is going to happen 'cause I or a Hasbro Pulse like repaint is necessarily gonna happen with all the new bits. Uh I think that's a coin toss as to whether someone in the team loves TM two Megatron enough to wanna do that and to push it into happening um but unofficially i think it completely could happen i don't have the toy so i have no idea how it would interact with the design in question uh but uh do, like do do either of you think it's I mean, it seems like it's reasonable right because it would just be for the robot mode for the most part uh just putting a big hat on him yeah, and a i mm-hmm. i don't i
1: don't know how you'd work it around the wings
0: i think you'd have to have the wings exist and then just have a bigger thing around them, and you kind of art you kind of put the art the artist's um, interpretation onto it. Where you're like, well, maybe the wings were you know behind the harness cape thing, uh, and because of the toy, they're more visible. But maybe they were folded down back there. You know, it's imperfect, but I think it'd have to be visible. Um... Hey, how do we get Hasbro to re-release those those War and Fall Cybertron games? Because I, I know the answer to this, I think, and it's just depressing. Because uh, <laughs> they would have to just obtain the rights to release them again from the mires of the video game industry, right? Yeah, something like that. And that would be a bunch of money and effort and time that probably isn't worth it in the eyes of the other yeah. entities.
1: I, I don't... I don't know how well those games sold, but considering that number three was kind of like a mishmash of like that plus live action movie, I'm going to assume it wasn't
0: doing great. Well, that one was also outside of High Moon Studios' hands, if I recall correctly. Like that was High Moon Studios' art assets handed to another company who used them as as Gary's mod as possible, basically in delivery. Uh. But it also kind of sundered the, the, the end of that whole thing. Um, but yeah, as it is, my understanding is it would involve like getting the rights for that stuff back from... Is it Activision that's sitting on parts of it? I don't even remember.
2: Uh. Uh, yeah, I mean, it all depends on how those contracts were written. I mean, that's always the way that it is. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's how... Marvel, like why the, the bad like, movies kept happening from Marvel stuff. You know, the Fantastic Four movie that was a total gutter ball because they had to make the movie in order to keep the rights. And eventually it regressed back because that's how the contract was written. So something like that mm-hmm. was was in the contract for... Or, you know, whatever the deals were for the Fallen War movie or Fallen War games, War and and Fall, Um, like, you know, that could be part of it. Oh, well, you've not made a Transformers game in X number of years, so it writes for video games fall back to Hasbro to dispense out however they feel, and maybe it's just that specific. Game engine or story stuff is what they hold on to versus rights for character likenesses. That's always that's always the like deep dark levels of who knows how it really works.
0: Yeah, well, especially for licensed games, uh, it's just the way that it was pulled down mm-hmm. from Steam, if if I recall correctly, really informs that like it is trapped in the worst kind of mire of legality that you could ever. Yeah. wish upon your worst enemy uh, <laughs> although how much of that also is just like it got pulled down
2: from Steam because they were no longer keeping the multiplayer servers going and Steam doesn't want to have a game out there that you can't play
0: I want to say it was specifically a rights thing due to all the Activision hoo-ha and what-a-ma-do that was going on around the same time period because I recall that it was not a case of like traffic, it was a case of Powers outside of our realm, uh the, the very ugly stuff where it's pulled down. But if you already bought it, then you have it. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyway, during all this, I also had, had been looking up Matt Teager, mostly because I was terrified. I had a moment. I was like, "Wait, I hope he didn't get into a crypto." So I went to look. <laughs> uh Matt Teager, I believe, according to his LinkedIn, is still at High Moon Studios. Uh, for 19 years and 8 months so I mean hell yeah (laughs) I got worried because like the other guy who made a Transformers game we've talked to over in the tabletop space when I last heard from him was trying to get everyone to look at a crypto oriented comic book release platform (laughs) which was sadness Uh, anyway (laughs) where was I with all this (laughs) Uh shall we shall we move on to our final question for the episode? Uh I say yes. Sure. Uh, this is from this is from Requiem Prime uh, who says, "Hello WTF and TFW crew. Your discussion in episode 620 on grails that don't really exist piqued my thinking about a related experience of one actually happening. The same day I listened, pre-orders for Flame Toys Megatron Megatron Flame Toys Megazord dropped." In short, it's basically doing all the things I wanted through the filter of Mighty Morphin getting an an edgy anime reboot. I had to look at the price, look at my existing pre-orders, look at it when it was coming, and literally argue with myself over whether or not I was going in repeatedly. Obviously, I love it and want it, but it's also raising uh, every I make good decisions flag I've earned the hard way over the years. Um, has this ever happened to you, where the get and don't get sides of your mind are basically at war? Did the IMGD shame veer you away, or did the YOLO energy carry you through? Um, you've basically described my living state here. Uh, so yes, in my case, <laughs> but I can probably think of more specifics. DJ, uh, have you ever have you had the uh, the internal war where every logic bone is fighting with every heart bone? Um, to an, to a degree on every pre
1: order I've ever made. Um.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: th- I think there's a lot of pre-orders that I make thing on things like that where, like, I will pre-order it just in case. You know, I'll pick a site that will not throw a fit if I cancel it, and I'll just say, okay, that's an October TJ problem. Let him figure out how much he wants it. <laughs> Which, honestly, you know, by then I know my financial situation a little bit better, and I know how, like, how much i can absorb as far as that goes but like there are times where i'm like there's that thing i have literally always wanted and how hard is it for me to like resist and i have i have the two the two situations is like the hazlab unicron which i wish i actually did go in on it but at the time is too much of a stretch and then Mm -hmm. uh they did like a full metal he-man replica sword there's like literally the thing I've wanted since I was a child and that is when like I'm in a better financial spot but at the same time that's just absurd like like so it, it, I mean I have that a lot because there's always like I think there's always something even like not on a pre-order level but like I have like a saved search on uh, eBay just in case like a uh, a, a decent price botcon gold bug pops up you know just mm. things that were like I would be like if they were in the right situation, like yes i would be I would absolutely be like, but I have the money, but I shouldn't spend the money, but it's there, and I've always wanted it, but that's really irresponsible, but like to an extent, every purchase goes through that it's just a matter of how many checks and balances it has to go through before i make that decision and like i would i made one during this podcast recording hey oh like i literally had someone go like (laughs) i'm i'm at a convention here's uh they had this like framed thing from slayers my favorite anime and it included like a strip of film reel from like one of the original ovas and like, okay, that's super cool. I've never seen anything like that before. How much is it? Okay, uh, not bad. Shipping is going to be really pricey on that. Also, like, it's framed. I really, like, it's going to go international. That's super expensive. Is the frame going to survive? If I was quiet during this episode, is because
0: I was going through that crisis at the moment. So I apologize for that. Uh... No, worries. I, I was gonna say that uh, this is actually a compliment to Requiem Prime. If if you do actually have enough wherewithal to have to come up with a listener question based on having this problem to such a degree, you're doing better than than at least a couple of us. Because I, I have I have been in positions like that where I've I have just gone like, man, this sucks. yeah, it'd be really stupid to do that though. I do it less now because I've I have given into it would be really stupid to do it. But also, that's that's a problem for a future me who doesn't exist right now. And then I've been future me enough times where I'm like, I need to learn how to nullify past me uh without nullifying current me, so I'm working on that uh, <laughs> a time paradox problem. um Aaron, how about you? How's you how you ever had your heart bone and your brain bone just smacked together?
2: yeah um, <laughs> and it, it, it's a thing that like for me, you know again, part of like why I like collecting is the hunt. And so, you know, the the last couple of years between, like, hey, let's not go into public areas all the time where there could be horrible disease people spreading a horrible disease, and also the ramifications of the global shipping and, and things of that nature have made it, like, you know, do I, do I just pre-order whole lines? But then that's not, like, part of the hunt part of it, but... I don't know maybe that's what i have to do in order to get you know yeah what you'd mentioned with with the i completely forgot about the 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 cyber suit daniel thing and just had to, i just i i myself just during the show was like well screw it i gotta order it okay i can't do it on Pulse <laughs> so i gotta do it on on amazon through whomever dealer and pay a little bit of a markup because it's not there so you know that's that's kind of the same like back and forth of like you know I'm trying to make good decisions by not buying anything but at the same time maybe completely missing things but at the same time but at the same time but at the same time and then I just say screw it all and don't look at Transformers media for a few days because I get angry that I wasn't psychic seven months ago to know that I should have ordered it then when it was briefly online
0: that's the battle right
2: hitting every friggin hitting every friggin walgreens in town you know let again part of the part of the concern about not going out is potentially you know i'm i'm not nearly as paranoid about uh about the covid in the last six months or so and, and maybe it's gotten better, maybe people are just ignoring it. I don't know anymore, but like this is the world we live in now. Whatever, I'll try to live in it too. Then going into the place where people are most likely to be sick, pharmacies, looking for Minervas because they're out there. I've seen enough people be like, yeah, I just went into Walgreens and saw this. They've got a display. I go into all all the Walgreens here in town and they have Kingdom Deluxes and like floor displays for Christmas sales for $25. It's like that's not the price for those that you should be paying, and it's the old thing. And where the are these Minervas that are supposed to be? You know, then then you go to Hasbro
0: Pulse, and they're sold out because they got like seven of them, not even a yeah. full case. The the thing the thing when I always talk about my ongoing attempt to like nullify my FOMO, I think in more scientific terms, what I'm trying to do is delete regret. Uh into a you know, reasonable fashion. And I think that's really the battle that many of us are going through especially in light of the changing tone of just toy collecting, distro, etc. And it's the thing I try to promote a whole lot to people is like because um, cause I think there is actually even more psychic damage to suffer when you try to create too perfect a plan to assess what purchases get made and what don't because eventually it, it mm-hmm. starts to sound, like I've seen people go through the motions in public chat here and there and it's like I, I sit there and I go, like, do you enjoy any of this, though? Because it sounds like you're assessing, like, what heart medication to take. Uh, <laughs> and, and, like, it's it's sensible to assess things as much, but eventually I'm kind of like, I feel like it's not a better battle, but my preferred battle is, like, what if I just, like, just try to catch what I can and then, like, er- erase some of the worst parts of the reaction when I can't find the thing I like and just get get the regret to to immolate itself, and I've gotten that to work here and there. The only bummer is some. I'll have conversations with folks who are still like trying to super plan, and then I, I think sometimes I might come off a little callous at times where I'm like, I'm like, that's cool. I just try to see if I find it or not. You know, after they tell me their <laughs> they're very intricate way that they've assessed whether this toy is better than this toy, and I'm like, yeah, I just picked up the one I thought that looked cool that I saw in front of me because it was the one that was there. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to not sound a little, a little deconstructive when I say that, but. I think I think you know FOMO is an easy is I think a better target, but in part you are also fighting regret when you try to overcome that stuff. And like Aaron, what you're talking about right is like it sucks, and it's like you got to figure out how to you got to try to learn how to like not beat yourself up for not having future sight, basically, uh, with this distribution stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it, you figure out a do I got networks of people I can put word out to who I know are not you know kooky, but then B. Can I also just tr- train a callus on my brain to like not feel super bad about this, uh, without dulling my enjoyment of a thing I like? You know, like it's a, it's a careful balance, uh, which I, sh- I should I should write a panel about that. Make a note to yeah. myself. Uh, anyway, <laughs> hope that answers your question. Uh, Requiem Prime. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, we still have a little batch of listener questions, so we did not clear the queue, but we put a good dent into it um i'm thinking our next recording is probably going to be a very toyetic one but then after that we might hit another listener question batch if you put in a listener question in response to this one there is a decent chance it's not going to be part of that batch but that that depends on various things but uh, just fyi before anyone gets disappointed um but uh, until then uh aaron thank you for joining me with your one and one hypothetical house Mm-hmm. And uh, TJ, thanks. Hey, by the time this thing releases, it'll be gone. I mean, if it's not, then you have a good timer by which to go beat someone up, right? <laughs> yeah. Where's my damn... <laughs> by my house! Uh, TJ, thanks, for, thanks yeah. for joining me again uh, with your uh, non-Ikea um, reality. <laughs> um, of course. I t- it's always good to know that those timelines exist still uh in toronto it's hard not to meet people who have been sucked into the ikea singularity like myself uh <laughs> i will i will i will endeavor
1: to keep myself stingy with display options just for you
0: an anchor for us all uh and thank you all for listening uh we'll talk to you later uh until then stay safe out there um be careful and uh survive so we can talk to you again about, about... hey survive so you can hear us argue about Victory Saber or something. We probably won't. But we'll try. Promise. Traitors, they're here to stay.